Welcome, welcome, welcome back, people. You are listening to Views from the Back of the Class. I am one half of your hosting team. My name is Jacob Blue, but you can call me JB, and I'm here with... Hey, guys, it's Josh. How's it going? And, as promised, we have a special guest in the house with us. DJ Cal is in the building. DJ Cal is here, ready to get back into this conversation. And we are very happy to have you. Uh, we got some pretty positive feedback on your last episode, man. So we had to have you back. And thank you for, you know, giving us a little bit more time. We appreciate it. Oh, that's no problem. It really. It's my pleasure to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So really, so really what you're saying is we're doing you a favor. You really are. I mean, there's nobody but my three-year-old, my cat and wife who I can talk about, you know, why Admiral Hordor's plan didn't work. And they all look at me like I'm nuts. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to express some of these things to you guys. Yes, indeed. Like I said last time, you know, you're in good company. You're among friends. So that yeah, was what to say. This is a safe space. It's a safe zone. So that's it. I think we need to go ahead and pick up where we left off. For this episode's conversation, the weird thing is, should we start with Rogue One? Yes. Yeah, we should. Isn't that crazy? Like we're, we're, when we're talking about the original trilogy now, we have to cover two movies, actually, before we get to Star Wars now. Well, what two movies? We're ignoring one of them, though. Oh, we're, okay. We're going to ignore one of them. I mean. Solo. You're talking about Solo, right? Yeah, we're talking about Solo. Yeah, still. Yeah, solo, we're, not, so. we're not talking about Solo. The disrespect. The, dis- <laughs> the disrespect. We'll talk about, we'll call it, um, uh, let's see, uh, what's in the canon for the trilogies. How about that? Right. It's not part of Skywalker Saga. Yeah. Still disrespectful. <laughs> And 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 I didn't watch it, so I didn't watch it either. And you know, I've, I've you know, since the episodes uh, came out, a couple of people have been like, "Hey, I watched Solo, or I like Solo, or, or things like that." And I'll be like, "Huh, maybe I should, um, you know, rethink it." Right. But even like with this past long weekend and everything else, and you know, the the hours I spent laying on the couch binge watching Adventure Time, you know, I could have watched Solo, but I was just like, "Nah." Mm-mm. Adventure Time is always a good time, so I don't blame you for that. It was it was it was literally spent, you know, rewatching the trilogy episodes uh, four through six, taking notes, and then Adventure Time. Sounds like a fun time, in my opinion. Yeah, it was nice. The only thing that could have been better was if you were watching Rick and Morty. I'm waiting for the season to wrap up before I start watching the new ones because they're going to split it between like winter and then like next spring or something. So I'd rather just them all to be out. Completely agree. But I digress. You know, I really, really, really enjoyed. um, You know how (laughs) we felt about episodes one through three, like there's good to them. There's bad to them. Uh, Some of them are, are, are tougher to watch. And, you know, when I started watching A New Hope and which... You know, growing up, I used to think after seeing the, you know, the trilogy that was out there, and I used to think A New Hope was kind of one of the slower ones. Like, that was the one I didn't really watch as often if I was watching the... Completely, um, completely agree. Yeah, I was. I would watch Empire Strikes Back, and then I would watch uh, Return of the Jedi. But as I was, you know, diving back into this and doing research for this episode, I was, like, really excited to uh, sit through and watch the complete trilogy. Um, and... I think it took a couple of days to get through it all, but you know, it was like it was like, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great, and it was. It was awesome. One of the the perks of Disney Plus, um, but one of the downsides, and I think we'll probably <laughs> jump into it a little bit in the conversation, is 
that what the the versions that they're streaming on Disney Plus are the mix between like the George Lucas special edition from like 97 and then like some other stuff he did after the original episodes one through three came out that he put some right. stuff back in. But all in all, still freaking solid. Agreed. So let's start with Rogue One because that lead that is kind of where the story picks up after we last left the Skywalker family. Yes. Cal, the floor is yours. Oh, I love Rogue One. I, I think it's I think Rogue One is my favorite second favorite Star Wars movie. Really? Oh wow! I love Rogue. I love everything about Rogue One. I love the way it's directed. I love the way it, uh, it, the way it is visually. I love the characters in it. I love that they kill everybody. I love. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! Yeah, um, everybody dies. It's only been out for like forty something years, but you know just who. And I, it, it, it gives the proper amount of context to the rebellion and the understanding that. This is Star Wars. This is not necessarily a good and evil, complete story. Like, there are other stories in it. And if it wasn't for Solo, I think we would have got more stories like that. Um, and I think that's really, you know, people really get on this, the Disney Star Wars episodes and, and films and what they've done. But Rogue One is terrific. Like, it, it's beautiful. The opening shots uh, where, where, the, where you see the family. And the Death Troopers, it's, it's terrific. Uh, but I do appreciate that it gives context to the fact that not everybody in the Rebellion is necessarily a good guy. Uh, there are assassins. Mm -hmm. There are spies. There are guys who are fighting in, this ba in, the, in the battle. And the road to kind of being a good guy was, was a journey. And the uh, the Death Star plans, the Vader going all in. Once again, good fan service. Real good fan service. Vader kind of just massacring a bunch of rebellion troopers. It's real fun. Uh, I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I felt like a, like a kid who got his, like his birthday, Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa at the same moment when that when that happened. <laughs> Like, I, I've never experienced that, but I, I'm sure if all of those days happened at once, that's how it would feel if you saw Darth Vader just going in <laughs> in a way we had never seen. Well, I mean, not jumping too ahead, but that scene was like, he's a monster. Like, when that scene happens, that's a horror scene, you know. It's too, it's <laughs> like, it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> The way, like you said, the way it was shot, you know, he's just in the dark. You just hear him breathing. And the thing about that is, you know, he he's like Batman. He he tries the theatrics to intimidate people. So that means he had to hold his breath for a couple of seconds and then start breathing again. So you could hear him and then <laughs> turn his lightsaber on. Like, <laughs> uh, like we, uh, it's not funny, but um, that scene, like, again, reiterates my stance that um, that I kind of had last episode that, hey, Anakin. Well, Darth Vader's not really that he's I don't know if you can redeem that dude because this guy massacred them. Two different people, no, man. For no reason. Like he, I I get where you're going with the idea of them being two different people. And as we get toward the, the end of this episode, I'm sure we'll explore that theme. I don't know that I agree with that. And even if they are two different people, like Anakin got to pay for what Darth did. I'm sorry. Stu was 
reckless. Or I guess the other way around, Darth got to pay for what Anakin did. Everything that happened to Anakin, he deserved. Let's, I mean. Right. <laughs> Luke absolving him in, in that small way was good for him and his heart that he could finally figure out that he that he could change and be different. But he still had to pay for, you know, he paid for his sins for 30 right. years. You're going to pay what you owe, Santa. <laughs> he lived as a cyborg in pain, period. Every day, he it was a labor. Uh, so, that go, that, so that was another point about Rogue One. You see that he has a palace on the place where he was born. And he has to, just to feel any relief, he has to kind of live in a back to chamber. So that he can kind of get some relief from his pain. Right. But Yeah. And live without the suit. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Which I thought was kind of interesting to see. Not that it gets you. I don't know. At least for me. I didn't feel any particular sympathy for him. But it was just kind of interesting to see the lengths that he had to go through. Just to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like. Yeah. Hold that L. That's. You bought this. You know what I mean? You brought this on yourself. And the emperor did that on purpose where he made the cybernetics hurt him so he would be angry all the time. Absolutely. Right. It served his purpose. And he didn't do anything, you know, like give him skin grafts or even <laughs> treat his burns. He basically nah. just started slap robotic parts on him and, mm -hmm. and was like, okay, let's get back to work, Darth. Yeah, I think brought out in the last episode that Anakin essentially was a slave his entire life and he just didn't know it right and so in that way luke freed him but he was just a tool yeah. a vessel for for other people to use him and that's the sad part about it but yeah that that scene with you know younglings that's unforgivable i'm sorry <laughs> yeah that's that's so that's so that's so rough i remember just being like look this dude something bad is gonna happen to you son <laughs> and, then and then Rogue One really highlights it. Yeah. Right. Like, this is not a good dude. So K2S2, he's perfect in this role, being the plucky comic relief of droid. The spy scenes are dope. Uh, I think it also has the most realistic uh, space battle, if that makes sense. Like, not, not realistic, I guess that's a bad word, but it puts you right in the action in a way right. that... I don't think it, they, they've done any battle scene before. Like, you know how like in Interstellar, they put the camera right on the side of the ship? Mm -hmm. Right. And so they did the same thing with the X-Wing. So, we so we're dropping out of hyperspace with them. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. I have nothing bad to say about that film. No. It's kind of funny, too, because um, I think Rogue One is... Not jumping ahead in episode or because uh, we're going to be discussing, you know, episode seven and eight, which I am not looking forward to rewatching. God. <laughs> um, but of the new um, films, man, I'm not looking forward to watching those. Um, try. I'm going to keep an open mind, guys. Like, I'm going to try to be as unbiased. And the first 90 minutes of Force Awakens is good. Continue. Um, I. Th We'll talk about it in, in the next episodes because I have feelings about it. But I want to—I'm going to go in unbiased and, and see how it turns out. Um, as far as like the recent Star Wars films go, this one is my favorite one. I think this is like one of the the better entries to, into Star Wars in a while or in the, on the big screen. 
Um, and I think it's, you know, it's funny because they had a lot of uh, problems on the set of this. Like, I think they replaced the director and, or there yep. was issues with, like, the writers and stuff like that. Um, and usually when you hear about things happening like that, uh, it's it's a bad sign, you know. And then reshoots and, you know, re, we know reshoots are kind of normal when it comes to film. Um, but then there's, you know, the kinds that are ex- excessive, like that happened in Dark Phoenix and where you're like, yeah, this this can't be good. But it all came together to make a movie that you're really invested in from like the minute it starts, because, you know, they took a throwaway scene in a movie that was written 40 years ago and made a really good movie based off a sentence. You know, she's like, oh, some people she didn't really say like backhandedly like oh some people died about this but she was like yeah you know it cost um, some people their lives well now we get to see that it cost everybody their life like right. not just you know some people what they went through and the characters that they brought together you know the droid um i can't think of the names um galen and oh no he was the, the scientist um jen all the, the casting everything just came together you know i was really invested in, in what they were doing i knew how it was going to turn out And usually I'm not a big fan of movies where, you know, the characters die at the end. I kind of feel like, you know, that's I just wasted two hours getting invested in somebody who's who's dead. But I mean, this one disturbed me and bothered me, but I kind of got it and it and it made sense for the story and fit in. So I think in this case, I don't know, I I didn't I kind of agree with the sentence sentiment that you have. You don't want to be invested in these characters only for them not to exist, or it almost feels like a waste. I didn't get that sense from this one. I guess because it wasn't like Rogue One was a a standalone story and that was all we were going to get from it. I think maybe if that were the case, that's how I would have felt about it. But knowing that their sacrifice was truly a sacrifice, right? So we... We get mm-hmm. to see these characters and go through this journey, even though we know ultimately how it's going to turn out. We know what the purpose was for, and it wasn't in vain. You know what I mean? Not to jump ahead to the next episode, but they got the plans and they were put to use. So, yes, they died, but they died accomplishing their goal. So for right. me, it, it didn't feel like a loss or it didn't feel like a waste. Right. For me either. I don't know if it came across like I was saying that, but no, I feel like this is the one where, you know, I was happy with kind of the the pace of the movie where it ended up because it all made sense. Yeah. Something you, you said about um, the casting or you just mentioned the casting. I, I really felt like this is a good example of being inclusive without kind of force feeding it because the cast is incredibly diverse with the choices of actors Um, But it wasn't like it was thrown in your face. You know what I mean? You just just people exist. And that's kind of always my take on things like that. You know, I I understand the need for diversity. I champion that. But it should never be just for the sake of. Right. And again, it doesn't have to be, you know, trumpets blown every time you do it. I'll stop. Said it before. I'll say it again. People don't live like that, right? We just kind of exist, and whatever walk of life you happen to fit into, you just kind of live your life, and that's kind of what we had here, right? We got actors representing different parts of the human existence. Um, you get to see that on screen without it being a big deal, 
which I thought was pretty dope. It's just it's just a movie. They're just actors, they're just people, but you still get to see, you know, a, a plethora of people represented, which I thought was pretty dope. I think that is exactly the point. Yeah. You know it's funny, I didn't <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't even realize that until you said it. And then I, I'm looking at the movie poster again. I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. You see, yeah, you know. But, and that's kinda of the point, right? It it doesn't have to be this big thing about it. You just cast the best people in the role and just by virtue of doing that, you're going to ultimately end up with casting like this in a lot of in a lot of cases. And this this is a franchise that certainly could have used it uh, along with others. But it certainly has had some uh, questionable moments, I should say, <laughs> uh, throughout Star Wars history. So I think it was pretty cool to be able to see this. And that's essentially what I was just saying was just that I don't care that the main character is a woman. Her story was great. Exactly. Exactly. I never sat for one moment and said, oh, well, they're trying to make us like women or make, or put her in front. It was like, no, it was like. Uh, Jen was dope. Jen was, just, Jen Hat was a survivor. Right. Until the end. Well, well she had to make a, she had to make a choice. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I mean, she had, she. She was a survivor to a point. <laughs> she had to make a choice because you either, you, you're either going to be able to tolerate a world planet killer or you're not and uh that that was fascinating like you get that you have a father who is a villain and the good guys don't trust you you don't even right. want to do it you're just trying right. to see your father and then by the end you're like no nah, we got to go full throttle with this and destroy this thing get these plans and that's how a lot of things happen when we're talking about heroes and that in real life where People accidentally end up in situations where they save lives, they and they become heroes, and they're known for it. You know, not everybody wears a cape, and right. that's Jen. Like Jen was just a person who was in prison, minding their own business, trying to keep their head down and get through life. And then she woke up, found out that she had a bigger role to play, and, mm-hmm. and stepped up and helped and save lives. Up. I think that was an important story to tell. Like, I think people who are critical of the film think it was just like a throwaway movie when it really wasn't a throwaway movie. It was trying to tell you in a very less subtle way that there are more heroes than just Jedi and villains and Sith. That's what it was trying to tell you. Like, Tarkin was really cool. Like, like I always thought Tarkin was like a real, real jerk. Like, he's actually evil. (laughs) And um, we got to explore that. So you can show the diversity and the depth of the Star Wars universe. And that's the way to do it. You don't have to destroy other characters to build up other characters, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. We don't have to tear down, you know, Han, Luke and Leia to bolster up new characters. They should stand on their own while also allowing a, a woman like Jen to really be looked up to. Because I know, I, I thought, like I said, I, I can't speak enough for her. I thought she was fully fleshed out. Yeah. And I know a, a big criticism about the film is that she was very much so reactionary to, situ- to the situation. Like, she was never proactive. 
but she was kind of thrust Shit. into the role. It wasn't like right. she was ever planning to do this. That, to me, made perfect sense. And that's my mm-hmm. point, that sometimes we are in situations where we have Boy. no time to react. But in those moments, you can be, become a hero. And that's what happened to her. Right. She wasn't. She hadn't mapped this out. All of this craziness was happening to her. And, and each time she rose to the occasion to do better. And I think that's the big thing where she had an opportunity. She did not have to go get those plans. Right. She did not have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. But she did it. And if she doesn't do it, the rest of the Star Wars universe is pretty much under Empire rule for the next thousand years. That is. So that's the importance of it. I like the ending of Rogue One. You know, again, we have the Vader scene where he just shows what a monster he is and massacres. Uh, Man, that's a horror scene. But then we end with Princess Leia. And again, another great tie in how they fit this story into a story that's already been told and making sure that it, it actually fits and doesn't isn't obvious, you know, that doesn't make sense or something like that. Right. Because a new hope starts and she's being pursued by Vader and in her ship and it's kind of given the backstory of where they're coming from and kind of a glimpse into basically the backstory of what kicked off the the star wars franchise you know it's not just a random space stop but there's a reason why he has he believes that she has the plans well now we know because she actually saw the scene <laughs> where yeah they got them to her and how those people died in such horrible horrible ways episode four a new hope which let me just say, I have always like now I'm I'm cool with it. I've made my peace with it. <laughs> I always thought it was stupid to start with episode four. And why is it a new hope? What the heck was the old hope? This doesn't make any sense to me, Mr. Lucas. What's happening? Well, not to sound like a, a, a you know, a huge nerd, but whatever. We're among friends. It's a nice place here. <laughs> that should be our slogan. Right. But it, when it originally came out in uh, 77, it was just Star Wars. It was afterwards that it got retitled Episode 4. At what point? He just keeps tinkering with things. Like, it was very much so fine being called Star Wars. Right. And no one would have actually cared, but, you know. Yeah, George Lucas. George Lucas going George Lucas. <laughs> Georging it up. You, A, mm-hmm. look, I'm at, he, this dude created one thing. And that was it. And that was all he had to do. And he's a b- 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 billionaire. With a capital B. Mm-hmm. I mean, you created one thing. That's it. One. If if it was going to be one, that would be the one. Star Wars and Thriller. Yeah. But, I mean, let's, that's not, you know, not mince words. Star, the first Star Wars, it's, it's kind of weird. Incredibly. It just, like the first, like, 15 minutes is just... R2 and C3PO. Yeah. I didn't even realize it took that long. Like when I was growing up, like I, I, I can't even understand like why, like I look at it now and I still enjoy it, but I don't understand why I enjoy it. Like if, if that makes the sense. The nostalgia like, of it. And you're, you're being introduced to these characters. In such a slow way. <laughs> like we, it, it takes us so let long it, just to get to Luke. But put yourself in the mind of someone who's seeing this on the big screen for the first time. Like, these are the type of effects that are cutting edge. Mm-hmm. So you could take your time with these characters because we haven't seen, I'm saying we as, you know, obviously yeah. I wasn't there in 77, but 
we hadn't seen this before. These humanoid robots just kind of walking around. I mean, R2 was all right. I don't think that was necessarily that impressive from an uh, effect standpoint. But CP needed somebody to talk to. So I I think it was justified at the time. And I do believe that us looking at it from the lens of somebody who came came along a lot after and movies certainly moved a lot faster. And um, if we're being honest, some of it is probably less than impressive because we'd move beyond that by the time we got into the movies. And I, I just mean movies in general, not specifically Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I could see how it would look slow. But I really think, and I would probably have to speak more to people who actually had that theater experience, but I can't see that that felt slow to them at all. No, it did not. I doubt it. I was just in California talking to my aunt, and she sincerely was just like how much she loved Star Wars when it first came out. And Cal, do you you want to get on in the next episode? Word. (laughs) If she wants to, that's up to her. But every scene Obi-Wan is in is great. I love Darth Vader talking to Tarkin. It's a really solid movie. The, the first just 15 minutes. Like, a, yeah. if, if I was sitting in that theater in 77, I'd be like, what the heck is going on? Right. It's two big, beautiful spaceships fighting each other. I don't know why they're fighting. Mm-hmm. Who are and it the, doesn't even matter. And it doesn't, and it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It, just, it, it was just awesome to the people who liked it. Right. Right. Because I just watched a review on YouTube, and they were talking about how movie critics didn't know how to properly critique the movie because it was something that they had never seen before. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was the first blockbuster. And it, like I said, it opens up, and you're seeing Darth Vader with all the fingerprints on his helmet. <laughs> that always bugged me. His, his suit looks so bad, but it's still good. He's 6'5", and he chokes out a guy, so we know he's evil. Plus, he's all black. I mean, that's he's, in the, he's in the all black outfit. We see an actual laser stun gun in the first like five minutes, which is cool. Yes, it's really cool. It's a perfect movie, to be honest. It's kind of perfect. I, you know, I always said this was like the most boring to me growing up, and I didn't really like to watch. But having rewatched it, I will say a few things. Like one, I think it aged pretty well. Even yeah, there's something about, you know, real sets that you don't really see anymore. Um, a lot of stuff is CGI now. And right. So I, I guess it was like a little, you know, refreshing or, or something to just see actual sets to know that the scene that they're in, the, the um, Luke's home, they built that. And the sets that they're on in the on the um, the the ships and everything, they built those. Those things are tangible. You can touch them. So it's something about seeing that that kind of helps tie it all together but then like you know you were saying kyle about it you know taking like 15 20 minutes to get to the point i didn't realize it took that long i mean a new hope always felt like it was like five hours to me growing up yeah and you know having rewatched it i like it it's not one of i don't think it's boring and then once you kind of get to the i won't even say the midway point it's just an enjoyable space i won't say a space thriller or anything like that because it's not but just looking at it alone and not trying to tie it into three or I'm sorry, into uh, five and six and what this Skywalker story is. It's a pretty good entry for one. Star Wars was something that I don't think a lot of people have faith in when he was pitching it. And 
I know some of it was people critiquing him and telling him some of the stuff he wrote was was garbage. I think a lot of movie people, too, didn't really think it was going to be a success and that people were going to be able to, you know, relate or understand it. You know, what's, you know, what's the force and what's a lightsaber and, you know, all this other stuff. Because I don't think, and, you know, I know our listeners will correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was anything like this at the time when it came out. You know, there was Flash Gordon and... The closest thing was Flash Gordon. And that was garbage. And I, yeah, because I'm trying to think of like what big science fiction blockbuster was there no, before like, this, and it wasn't. It was like James Bond, yeah, and some. I I don't even know what else was. I'm try, I'd have to probably look up 1977 to see what other movies there were around that era. But well, if you I think, think about it, science fiction this. was not. It wasn't the thing at the time, right? Like you said, it was Flash Gordon, but everything else were um, a lot of spy thrillers. And just like drama, uh, American graffiti type stuff. These, you know, classic films that we think about and like slasher films. Yeah. But there wasn't these big space films at the time. Star Wars also does exposition really well. You're able to get the gist of what's going on with the the opening crawl. Yeah. I love that. A long time ago in a galaxy far away. Simple. I mean, it's It's not a fairy tale. It happened. It happened a long time ago. And it's not in your galaxy. <laughs> Real simple. And then it te- then it goes and it gives you three paragraphs of what's going on in a unique way that is gorgeous. And then the beauty of Luke and Obi-Wan's relationship is that we can go on the journey with Luke as far as understanding the world. Because that scene where Obi-Wan, you know, really describes what's going what, you know, what happened to his father you know, what's going on in the universe, it gives us everything that we needed in that moment. And then, of course, we have so much information now. So so a lot of that stuff doesn't matter. But as you guys said, if we were back in that time period, that was all we needed to know. That was perfect. And it set up everything else. And Star Wars also handles Luke really well um, as far as his growth and development through the three films. He's really just a kid who just wants to get out of town. Yeah. That's kind of all it boiled down to, because I, I was just about to say, can we talk about Uncle Owen them? Like, Oh, that's, that was easily a rated R scene. Like, two bodies on fire disintegrating like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrific. Oh, back in the day. Back, right, back in the day. Right. There you go. Now, my point with, uh, that I was making with uh, Uncle Owen them, like, Luke got over that pretty quickly. Like, I know he wanted to leave and everything, but <laughs> yeah, he mourned for 45 seconds. He was like, <laughs> so, Ben, when we leaving? <laughs> he, he mourned over Obi-Wan longer he, than he mourned over his parents. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And because you know, those were legit his parents. You are absolutely right. Savage. Not the funny thing about it, but the, the interesting thing about that is kind of like I never really felt for him, for uh, Owen and Baru. I was just kind of like, OK, they were on screen for like five minutes. But then having gone back and watched the prequels and, and seeing how the concern that they had for Shmi and they just seem like stand up decent people. And then to know that they're going to get burned to death by stormtroopers, man. Star Wars, Star Wars is a dangerous place to live in if you're a regular person. It really Amen. is. Amen. You know, like I'm for real. Like, like it, it, if you, with you all the context. You got to choose your friends wisely, Jack. Look, you, mm. you can't. I mean, you like I'm watching The Mandalorian and stuff. I'm like, can, is there any safe place? <laughs> where a man can sit 
and just farm his own land and not be bothered on on earth and a galaxy far far away cuz uh <laughs> that ain't it i mean because the only like you can't even be a senator like like <laughs> folks coming for your head if you a queen a senator uh palpatine got himself kidnapped like this is ridiculous even yeah. a slave right yeah i think the slave was i th- i think anakin was safer as a slave <laughs> well, well no he was only he was only slave as a slave because you know, he was far away and nobody kind of knew him, but eventually him being that in tune with the Force would have come out. They was coming for him. Mm, not really, because of where Tatooine is. It's like an outer rim. It's not, it wasn't a Republic planet. Um, it was, you know, always kind of known as, as a lawless planet. And True. Under the, you know, the Republic, there wasn't a lot of Jedi activity happening there. My man Jabba got killed by his own slave chain. Like, who does this? Hey, he, <laughs> he had it coming too. Let me ask you guys this. What are some of your favorite and least favorite scenes in episode four? Um, my least favorite scene is the trash compactor. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's kind of because it was just kind of like, let's throw this in here. Yeah. When I think if you just if you cut that scene out, the story just keeps on going. Mm hmm. My favorite scene. You know, what's crazy about that scene, though, is it it was hacking even a thing back then. Because that's essentially what R2-D2 is doing, is like hacking the computer. Most people didn't know what an actual computer was, but he was hacking. Yeah, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, is it like, I, I guess I'm just jumping ahead. Like, did George Lucas have a concept of what hacking was, or he just wanted, wrote a scene where he's like, hey, this droid can talk to computers, so, you know, he can he can make it do whatever he wants. I was just going to say real quick, my favorite scene. Sorry, before you were rudely interrupted, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't going to say nothing about it, Chief. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, you just hopped in my moment. My favorite scene yeah. is the ending ceremony scene. That's a quintessential hero scene, and it's, and it's made even better by how Empire ends. Everybody's all clean and stuff, and John Williams, his score is perfect in that moment. So that's my favorite mm-hmm. scene. There's a lot of things I really appreciated about it. Really quick, since you mentioned John Williams' music, that was one thing I did kind of miss a little bit in Rogue One, but not to, to backtrack, but um, but New Hope, my favorite scenes, I really like the set design. And I mean, they did a really good job, especially for 1977, you know, of making these worlds look real. Um, even the way they use common things that were available or you could buy off the shelf like Tupperware or whatever. Um, you know, like the blue milk and or whatever is the drink she is, she offers them. The many different aliens that we got to see, you know, the, the um, sand people, the Jawas, those are people in costume, you know. It wasn't, it's not like today where it's CGI generated. One of my favorite scenes was when you get to see uh, the lightsaber for the first time, which mm. is kind of a extreme i think when obi-wan cuts off dude's arm in the bar it was a little unnecessary yeah like he didn't deserve i don't know if he deserved to to lose his arm over that you know i thought that was really really cool the interaction with han and and greedo and one scene i used to i thought was kind of boring was like when they're in the the death star before the trash compactor and they're trying to rescue the princess and everything i I thought it was a little boring growing up but now that i've rewatched it even with what i've tried to have as a different set of eyes or opinion I'm just enjoying it. You know, there's not much that I really dislike in this movie that I could do without. You know, I think the scenes with Darth Vader, I mean, he <laughs> his look gets better throughout the trilogy. 
but for a first entry, I thought it was pretty good. Now, one thing I, I will admit is that I kind of miss the, the lightsaber battles aren't as engaging anymore no. after seeing the prequel trilogy. And there's actually, um, if you go on YouTube, uh, somebody re-edited the scene with Darth Vader and uh, Obi-Wan on the Death Star. It's awesome. and uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, may, it makes sense of why they did it in the original trilogy. Because um, Alec Guinness wasn't going to be able to lift his arms up like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, too, I don't think they... George knew that he could, and look, we're on first name terms now. That he could do that. Not, not to cut, not to cut you, time. not to cut you off. Oh, that's what it feels like. It does. The original concept <laughs> for the lightsaber was that it was heavy and should be dealt with like a like a samurai sword. Mm-hmm. Which was why that they, if you look how they moved, it kind of stayed around the hips, but you know that kind of went away. This by the second one because. Luke could lift up his hands, you know. Luke could was one to fight, so right, that right. whole concept kind of went out the window because they made the light. The, the the further the episodes go, the lighter the, the lightsabers get, especially by the time you get to Ian with uh, the the prequels and the stuff that uh, Ian McGregor was doing was crazy. I think what somebody figured out. I'm I'm going to give credit to George Lucas, and maybe maybe it wasn't him, but somebody figured out that it makes for a more compelling fight. Right. So if you yeah. scrap the, the notion of it being with a samurai sword, unless it's actually this huge sword that you're looking at, those slow movements, they don't look as good. Right. Like you're excited about it again in the beginning because of the technology of it all. And it's it's this big spectacle. But beyond that, when you just watch it, it's like, eh, I can appreciate <laughs> it for what it actually represents in the film. But it, it's, it's just not exciting, to be honest. Right. And yeah, it's one of those things, too, that as the story progressed and his vision, you know, became more in line with what he wanted, you could see, too, the power of a lightsaber became stronger because, yeah, it could cut through, you know, cut through an arm or something like that. But there was fight scenes where, you know, he's hitting a guardrail and it doesn't slice through. And then you, you look at the prequels and it's like, no, lightsabers can basically cut through anything except it energy. You don't, ha- you don't have to do that type of stuff. Because I know exactly what scene you're talking about. You don't have to highlight that. Come on, man. I'm sorry. I, I just noticed it, but I... No. <laughs> God, way to the... ruin the childhood there. Hey, that's what I do. Because <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. We'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where this movie is like... I won't say perfect, because it's not, but it's dropping those breadcrumbs right where you need to be. Like when, when Vader kills Obi-Wan. And he disappears. And you're like, why does he disappear? What happened? And then when Obi-Wan is talking to Luke and you're like, well, he's hallucinating. And you realize, like, no, he's not. And I think it leaves you wanting more. And if I saw that somehow in, like, 1977 with no knowledge of what Star Wars was or blow your or mind. things like that. It would. It would. And I'd be like, when is this coming back? Or this is the, the best movie I've ever seen. Right. I'll say for me. I had a hard time with trying to nail down any particular scene that I could say is my favorite. So I'll go with a character instead. And this is probably an unpopular choice, but I don't care. <laughs> Every time Vader was on screen, I was glued. Like, Vader was so dope. I Luke's story was compelling, and I enjoyed going on a journey with him. But Vader was the man. 
Mm-hmm. Like when he hit my man with the force choke, because he ain't like his tone. <laughs> like this is right up my alley. Choking people? Because you're getting out of pocket. Absolutely. I'm here for it. <laughs> But I, no, but I just enjoyed like the sarcasm that he had in in the way that he spoke to his his underlings. It was I just enjoyed every moment that he was on screen. Those were the things that stood out to me. Even though, yeah, the costuming was a little janky in the beginning, and you could see the flaws in it, but I was willing to look past all of that. I, I you know, you kind of have to expect it, especially going back and just you know, you look at it through the lens of 1977. This is kind of what it was so you have to accept certain things i was cool with that mm-hmm. as far as the scene that i'd like the least it was probably even though it, it, it represented the most and it set everything else up it was probably the the lightsaber fight with vader and, and obi-wan particularly when obi-wan sacrificed himself not the sacrifice itself i thought that was dope like when you saw what he was doing I thought that was dope, but just the execution of it, it was so weird because he's looking kind of at the camera and then he's gone. I was like, so y'all couldn't y'all couldn't do another take of this? This is the best you got? Even after what I just said with it being in 1977, like, come on, dog, you could have did better than after that. After all their reshoots, that was probably the best that they could do. They did a lot of reshoots. Fair enough, but come on. I mean, are you, are you critiquing Sir Alec Guinness? Like, that's I'm critiquing of. the director. I think George made a bad choice. <laughs> well, I don't think I ever noticed that. I just figured he was like trying to look at Luke. Like, to, and that makes no sense now that I think about it. Like, he's like trying to like side eye him or something. Like, hey, Luke, do you see me? You know, pay attention to what's going on because right. you're important somehow. And um, by me doing this is going to make you better. I don't know if he was looking at Luke to get Luke's no, I attention. I think he, I think he was yeah. looking at Luke like, I know what I have to do. But it wasn't so much to get Luke's attention. It just, I don't know, the angle that it was shot at just looked weird to me. It took me out of it. But that's a small critique. Like, overall, obviously, this is, you know, a smash hit of a movie and the numbers back it up. Not my favorite of the trilogy, obviously. You know, everybody's is is coming up, but <laughs> it was, uh, for Latecomer, I feel like it was a really solid place to start people have not ever watched the films in uh, chronology i would recommend doing so it's an it's an interesting ride especially if you already have seen everything so you kind of know what to expect but to watch it in order is a really interesting way of doing it as a latecomer if the first star wars film you've ever saw was a new hope would you have kept watching depends on when i saw it i think if i saw a new hope at the time that i started watching star wars films i don't know that i would have continued watching it <laughs> i'm just i'm just being honest because of the type of movies i was watching at the time it would have been too slow for me but having appreciated the story around it and then going back and watching it you know i i enjoyed it a lot more yeah i think i would probably say the same thing but I can't remember if A New Hope was the first Star Wars film I ever saw or not. I know exactly which one mine was. I'm afraid, not afraid, but I'm somewhat ashamed to say it on wax, so I won't. <laughs> it wasn't A New Hope, though, I can tell you that. You know what's funny is watching this, too, and watching it 40 years later or whatever, you know, you think about the scene with the Death Star at the end, and, you know, you're kind of curious, like, how is this going to look? Like, I know special effects were limited back then, and... You, know, right. you can see some really, really, you know, amazing stuff now. 
even on TV, you know, the CGI is, can be fairly decent. So how's it going to look? And I was actually surprised that it didn't look as janky as I thought it was going to look. Some scenes you could tell, you know, it was not rotoscope, but you could just tell how they spliced together the film to make the scene happen. Sure. But, you know, I still think it held up pretty well, like, like I said earlier. And, you know, it's something about watching, even though in some of the scenes it was the same model that they were using for explosions, which I get. But it's something different, you know, that you see about something uh, real blowing up uh, versus now you see the, the CGI'd explosions and wreckage and stuff like that. It makes a difference. Not so much with explosions for me, but more with characters. That's some of the strength, I think, in the original trilogies is in the the different life forms that we get to see. And it's all practical effects and the vehicles, not to mention the planets themselves. Like, it's all pretty amazing to watch. And then when you really think about where you know, where the industry was with being able to create these things. It really is like a second to none, man. It's really amazing to think about what they created. The Millennium Falcon alone, just like to know that yes. that, that was built and that there's a Millennium Falcon out there. Like it's, it's just really reassuring to know. <laughs> Not that you're going to ever get your hands on it, but it's good to know that it's there. I fully plan on building one when I get enough land. There you go. <laughs> so are we going to talk about our, our favorite now? I think we should. I mean, we already talked about episode three, so... Yikes. <laughs> I thought Clone Wars was your favorite. I'm hanging up right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Clone Wars was his favorite. No, it was not. <laughs> I can just see him stale facing me right now. That's that's literally what was happening. <laughs> like, I could feel like, like, we was nearby, he'd try to slap my bald head. Shut up. Probably. I'm a peaceful man, though. I'm over that now. Empire Strikes Back, though. Yes. Perfect. Next movie. Right. I mean, it's in this like case, that. it's kind of yeah, like that. Case, though. I don't know that I could disagree with the, the idea that this one was perfect. I mean, from all my research that I did, I mean, no sequel had done so well. It was never better than the second one. Except, I mean, the two greatest sequels of all time are probably Empire Strikes Back. And The Godfather 2. That's it. Like, these are the pinnacle of filmmaking. Y'all said it. It's perfect. In the first couple minutes where, where, you know, you were saying A New Hope takes 20 minutes to get into the story, I think Empire Strikes Back is like immediately you're launched into the plot of the film. I mean, because there was nothing really to set up, right? We yeah. we know the, the where we are. Plus, you get the crawl in case you didn't know. Mm-hmm. You get to see where you know where we are in this point and to see hoth the ice planet again and i'm probably repeating myself so much with this but this was super dope to see i don't think we've seen anything quite the same since then like we've seen wintry sets before in in films um i can't really think of anything that's been quite like this like you feel cold watching it (laughs) yeah yeah it's almost i feel like empire just needs like um like a fast round of all the stuff that's good on it. So, right. Cause that's the only way I can kind of describe it. I love how Han and Leia's relationship is very understated. We get it immediately that they really love each other. They just don't want to admit mm-hmm. it. You get that immediately by their first rea- interaction with each other. We get that Han is trying to get away. You understand that the Millennium Falcon is broke 
And that's the that's one of the biggest things that continue throughout the plot for the the whole movie that um, yeah. it, it can't work. And that introduction with the superstar destroyer and the uh, and imperial uh, the imperial march imperial march is woo. that may be the single best piece of music from film ever. Yeah, it yeah. just might be. That's an interesting argument, and it definitely could be made. I love Dagobah, like the, the fact that they built that. Dagobah, the Dagobah set is really nice. And Yoda fully explains what the Force is. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful scene to watch. Yoda just trying to get this dude to understand that, you know, it's, it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me, <laughs> it's bigger mm-hmm. than everyone. And I'm trying, he, he's just trying to nail it home to this, this kid who just does not get it. Uh, he still wants just to he wants to be a hero, but he wants the quick and easy route. Right. And uh, and, and you know, Yoda's just like this, like he's just thinking like, man, you're just gonna be like your dad. <laughs> right. And by the end of the film, we 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 see that he isn't his father; that he would have chose death over becoming something that he hated. And I and that is that's beautiful in itself. Yes. You know, besides the reveal of who his father is, which is you could have a whole uh, segment on just how that would mess you up mentally. Sure. But I feel cheated, too. I feel really cheated out of that because you knew it happened before you saw it. Of course. I mean, it's one of the most iconic lines in film history. So even if you've never seen it, you kind of know not only knowing the reveal, but knowing the exact line and knowing when it happened so i mean i still kind of got chills from it but it was way subdued yeah i mean it's for, uh, that that scene I, every time i watch it i'm like in the rare moments if, if you you know pay attention to, if you pay attention to star wars star wars almost always has music playing at every Absolutely. at every scene but as soon as luke walks into into the room, all you hear is Vader breathing, and yes. all you hear is his lightsabers going, and they and Vader just toying with Luke, so he doesn't. Oh, he's just playing him. with him the whole time. Like, oh, he kicked me, big deal. Like, like Vader's just like, look, I'm not trying to get this smoke that the Emperor has if I kill this kid. Right, and that's that's the only reason. I'm just trying to keep this dude, you know, subdued, put him in cryo sleep, so I can get him. So I can get him where he needs to go. And maybe the emperor hooked me up with some skin grafts or something. Or something. Because <laughs> when he gets into, when they get to the second part of the battle, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to use the force. Like, you're not even giving me my lightsaber action. Like, you're right. just, just going to get my all his wisdom and things that he's picked up throughout the years. Yeah. Which honestly, for me, not to cut you off, man, go I'm ahead, sorry. Go ahead, but go ahead. It, was, it was an ingenious way to do it because... He don't want to kill him, right? He wants he wants to bring him to the dark side. So what better way to do that than to show you the power of the dark side? Like I could really, he's like, I really could take you out right now if I wanted to. He was getting Lightsaber battered action, be done, But I'm going to go ahead and hit you with this just so you can see what you could have if you join the Emperor. Uh, personally, I don't even think it's about Luke joining the Emperor. Because, I mean, think about it. Vader's a Sith. What does Sith do? 
they kill their masters. Right. At this point, he knows he knows he's yeah. under orders, but he's trying to figure out in the in the most later way how can I have a relationship with my estranged child? And this is the best way he came up with it. Right. I don't even think it's that. I think it's how can I turn Luke for my own purposes? But he still and he still loved his child though. At this point, I don't think he does because think about this fight. He's toying with Luke, and Luke, he, Vader could end that fight pretty early. Oh yeah, he's extending it with Luke and. Uh, towards the end, after Luke has been beaten up, when, when Vader's using the Force to hurl stuff at him, Luke is getting on his nerves. That's why he cuts off his hand. And that's not love or something like that, is he? That's when he, He's he, a dark lord of the Sith. I know, and, and I'm saying Luke pissed him off, and that's why... He doesn't... He does not... love. He ain't cut his head off. Yeah, exactly. That's the... That's no, the... Like, look at it like... like He's probably looking at it like this. Like, it's not like he can't get another hand. No, nah, it's not even that. I mean, and yes, then, he could have easily got another hand because we saw, but rewatch that scene because... Look what he does right afterwards. How he, he right after that, he he reaches out in the force and they both feel that connection. Right. That connection was there because as soon... And then, of course, in the comics, the comics, of course, gives even more context where the bounty hunter tells him the name of the pilot who shot him down and as soon as he hears Skywalker, Vader, Vader was so disturbed in the force that the Emperor felt it across the galaxy. He felt something in that battle, which is why even still he was like, OK, how can I get my son and not kill this dude? I don't think Vader at this point views Luke as his son. Like, yes, he knows that he is his father. But at this point in time, I think Luke is still just a pawn to Vader and whatever he wants. What's you guys' favorite scene? <laughs> Would you just cut me off? <laughs> I'm sorry. It, I it feels like you did. It feels like you yeah, did. He's like, he's like, he's like, I've said what I had to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are a guest here, sir. <laughs> I've been kicked out of better homes than this. <laughs> <laughs> Forget my couch, huh? <laughs> All the time. Right. I'm just saying at this point in the game, I don't think that Vader is conflicted with his feelings towards Luke. It's basically how can I use him for my means and yeah he like he could have killed luke he could have cut off his hand he could have cut off his arm or you know his legs or at any point but i think the scene when he does it and when he's kind of like you know what enough of this i'm tired of dealing with you i'm tired of this fight i'm over it it's above me now he was real tired he dude was like he came around that corner like <laughs> like dude I think he's propositioning Luke, you know, to rule the galaxy together, his father and son. That plan does not involve the Emperor. That's just my own opinion, though. I don't see how it wouldn't have involved the Emperor, though, because if, it, like you mentioned, you know, Sith kill their masters, and Luke was the one that was destined to kill the Emperor, so the Emperor's plan was clear, right? I need this kid on my side so he don't kill me. If Vader wants to kill his master and he knows what the emperor knows then why wouldn't he want luke on his side so i think i was i'll retract my point in, in a little bit i still think that the idea of toying with him was to seduce him to the dark side but maybe the goal was different so maybe it wasn't an idea of wanting him to be you know under the emperor but to join him to kill the emperor. Right. Which was kind of what Vader was talking about anyway, right? He was like, you know, us together, we can bring balance to the galaxy. Which was bull because 
you you use the dark side, you want him to use the dark side. Ain't no balance there. I, I agree, and I agree with that point. But I, and I also feel that there was some love there. That's all I was saying. Sure, and to bring it to reality, this might be a little bit too real. Sorry, nerds. That's how. That's how destructive or abusive parents know how to love. I can kind of agree with what you're saying, Kyle, now that I think about it. But if you, you know, you got a parent that's just kind of just not good at this, right? Just not good people. Mm -hmm. But they still they still have love for their children. And the only way they know how to do it is through some unconventional way. That's the the best way I can put it. And that's how I kind of got it. I think that there was as soon as he figures out who his son, that's why he was desperate to find him, because he sees Luke as a way out. Like, if I can train my son, who, who has all the abilities and is going to probably be more powerful than me, then we can, I can have my son back and kill the emperor. <laughs> if that I think happen. it was, I think it's more kill the emperor. Maybe, maybe I got my son. If right. he act right. But I think his love for Luke would have been conditional. Right. I'll love Luke as long as he's doing what I need him to do. Right. And but if he's he not going to do it, he got to be go. disposable. Right. At that point in time. Now. Agreed. Agreed. I feel a jump through hyperspace going into uh, <laughs> into return. So before we do that, can we please go back to Dagobah? I have questions. Why was Yoda so annoying? Or is it just me? <laughs> yeah, I said it. No. I said it. Because he's been in exile for like 20 something years. So just replaying so his You got to giggle Palpatine. at everything he's saying, though. Like, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love I love I, I love everything about crazy old Yoda messing with Luke until he gets to his breaking point. Because he's like this dude. He won't. This little a, uh, frog alien will not take me where I want to go. Yeah. He's got me eating some weird food. <laughs> right. And Yoda was trying to size him up. Like, right. He's like, I don't know you. Yoda asked him, what, you know, what's going like, what, why do you want to be a Jedi? Right. Luke gives right. stupid answers to everything. I'm looking Agreed. for, I'm looking for a great warrior. Wars not make one, you know, wars not make one great. And then, and Luke kind of looks at him like confused. Like, yes, they but do. He's, he's a kid. He's a, He's a child, and he, you He's know, a kid. and, and that's Luke the way is, a kid would view things, right? And Luke is still, he's still kind of that kid from Tatooine who's like wants to get away, yes. and be involved in something bigger. And you know, he's been involved with the rebellion for a little while, but you still see he has he has a lot of ways to go and to grow. Sure. I mean, you can see that because he bounced. Yeah, you could say it was because no, I feel you know disturbance in the forest that Leia and Han are in trouble. But Yoda's trying to tell him, like, yeah, but everything you're fighting for is going to be lost if you leave. You ain't ready. Nah, I'm ready. I'm out. After a couple of days or weeks of training. And in that moment, Yoda saw his father. He, all he saw was an impulsive young kid. Yes. Which is why we get the comment, there is another. Right. Everything that Yoda was trying to tell him, he did. Upon, you know, like when you look back at it. Because he sure. just wasn't listening and he really was not ready um, no. for any responsibility. It's everything Yoda did, and it made it made sense to me. Like I, I don't know how you could watch a movie and Yoda fighting R two D two four with a flashlight. It works. <laughs> it just it just works for me. I mean the the whole scene on the planet was 
was dope, but it, I don't know something about Yoda's introduction that was he was just annoying me. And I maybe I was looking at it from Luke's perspective, so I was getting annoyed with him. Maybe that's what it was. But why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, and it wasn't even it wasn't even that so much. It was just every time he would start giggling when he said stuff like that's. I think that's what was irritating me. What I did like though, Luke didn't see it. He was finna get buked. What did he say? Something about this dirty swamp. Something. What did he, What did he say? Dirty, dirty. My home. This is my home. This is. Hey, Luke was <laughs> Luke was finna get Molly Wop real quick. <laughs> and he know that part tickled me. But I think it was purposeful how they had Yoda acting like like it I was, was saying about it was Luke wasn't ready, and then too, Luke was what fifteen. 18 years older than when they originally started training kids in, in, in the force. Right. So, you know, Yoda doesn't know this kid from, from, from Adam. I mean, maybe Obi-Wan told him a little bit, or he knew him from when he was born, but he didn't know who he was, who he grew up to be. And it's like, Hey, I want to be, I'm coming to you to be trained as a Jedi. First of all, he had, you know, preconceived notion that this little, you know, being couldn't be the great warrior he was looking for. Right. And two, he wants to be trained as a Jedi Knight, which, as we can see from Anakin's story, that being a Jedi and misusing the powers can lead to to a lot of issues and complications for other people. Sure. And so I think, you know, part of it was, I I don't know if he was going senile, um, but I do think, you know, it was an act to really flesh out who Luke was, who the person he was inside, how he handled certain situations, because... You know, if he's going to fly off the handle about, you know, this dude just giggling at him or something like that, then heck no, I'm not teaching you the force. Because so why? So you can be better able to join Vader. Right. And strengthen you clearly don't have the patience required. Yeah. You don't have the, the fortitude or anything, you know. Luca was just constantly just just missing what the point is. Like mm-hmm. it, like a like a kid would like a kid. Like, you know, like he's talking about like feelings and you know <laughs> why he failed in the cave. Mama so Yoda told him you take in that you, 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 whatever happens in there is what you take in. If you right. take in aggression to a situation, then you're going to find aggression. And he, eventually he learns this, but he wasn't even understanding that when he was being told up front what something was. It was, it was a hard lesson that he needed to learn, which ended up made, making him great. But Yoda's lessons were, were they, they set up everything in the everything that came after the books, the TV shows. Yoda in, in Empire from that one scene sets what the force is. I agree with that. And I think that's why it's so important, because the force is life itself. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna serve a government through the force. The force is like, uh, uh-uh. uh, nah. <laughs> like no, right? You, no, that's that's not what I have in mind. Um, which is why, uh, you know, if you look into like some of the the older, you know, uh, Jedi's, they live far away from all of civilization, you know, and kind of right. just did what the force told them to do. You know, they they weren't working for an organization. Which was, you know, good in theory, but, you know, Yoda was trying to tell him, like, it, it, it's, 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 it's about feeling, not, not thinking. 
and and the entire time, you know, he was Luke was trying to, she was trying to think his way through the process when he should have just been being patient, opening his mind and heart to what was being said. Right. Yeah, I think this is the where the prequels kind of pay tribute to this scene too, where it talks about you know you were just mentioning the um, serving the Republic, and even in Episode Three when. Obi-Wan assures Anakin that his allegiance is to the Republic. You know, it's like you said, the that's not what the, the Force is about. Right. Because trust me, it was up to the Jedi and the Sith. They, they'd keep this whole, the whole galaxy in just war and war and battles. Right. So from your point of view, the Jedi are no, evil count? That's no, what it sounds like I, to me. I, <laughs> what it sounds like to me, sir. Not to, not to go too far, uh, you know, to, to the left, I guess. But I think it's kind of what, you know, what we saw in like you know Captain America Civil War, and you see with what what um what happens when you have to listen to an overreaching government and people who have agendas, you can have something that's good, but if you got somebody telling you that you know where to go and who who mm-hmm. to go do it, um, you end up failing the people who actually need help. Right. Episode one starts with. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan being sent to settle a trade dispute. Yeah, yeah, muscle. Yeah. To force force an agreement. Like, what's going on here? They should have been more paying attention to to what the force was telling them. And, but they were very much so, almost like the samurais of Japan, and very much so enjoyed their position in society, to say the least. Sure. Sure. They were the higher ups in society. They were respected. respected they were feared. Feared, respected, you know, in the galaxy. And like samurai. Like samurai, you yeah. know? And they protected the republic. But when you're not paying attention to, to, to the core values of who you are, then something has to change. Right. The Jedi are needed for balance. So are the Sith. Yeah. Which is why you had which is why. Every so often, you know, you can't eradicate the other. Anytime the Sith has tried to eradicate the Jedi, they pop back up. Right. And, and right. vice versa. But with anything, you know, you're going to have your group of quote unquote good guys. But then when you start peeling back the layers, how good are they really? You know, yeah, they're they're about peace and all this other stuff. But, you know, like you said, some of the things that they they were doing skipped over the little guys or the people who really needed help because it wasn't in the interest of the republic that they were serving. I mean, something as simple as getting Anakin, you know, he bought him, quote unquote, but he left his mom's. Yeah. Like, he could have forced the issue with that one, but that wasn't that wasn't what he wanted to do. It, yeah. it did not serve Qui-Gon's uh, agenda. It's like, nah, I need, I need the boy. Mom's, you cool. He... <laughs> He tried to, but then it's again, you know, he could have made he could have made it happen if that's what he wanted to do, though. Agreed. But the Jedi aren't about attachment. They're about right. They're about being detached from things. And yet they they were attached to the Republic. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's, it's, it's stuff that you could just look at. This is what I was trying to tell you. You tell you guys, it's like there's there's gold in the last Jedi. It's just executed so badly. (laughs) Um. Because with Mark, you know, with um, Lucas, Luke said a lot, a lot about what they did. They did a lot of good, but also just that that arrogance, man. That 
<laughs> the, the, the Sith can't the Sith can't be here without us knowing. <laughs> hmm. Right. Like stop. You gonna learn you today. Like oh you know like they they, they looked at Qui Gon. Qui Gon was sitting right there telling them what had happened, and they looked at him like he had a moose on top of his head. <laughs> like bro, I was there. What are you talking? Like what? I, I was sitting there. And all of that is on Yoda's shoulders. And he had a lot of time to think about it. Exactly. Right. And I'm pretty sure when he was training, doing his uh his uh his force training with him. Um, I'm pretty sure they talk, had some conversations about that type of stuff. You would hope. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you would hope. I'm sure they would. Well, I don't know. I ain't sure about anything anymore, to be honest, because <laughs> it makes sense that that Yoda would have done that. But I could also see him holding that back. So, I mean, how many times did Luke have to go in circles until he got an answer about who his father was? Yeah. But those circles were necessary. Why? In my opinion. I mean, it made for a better story, but from the people who were living it, there was no real reason not to tell this dude who his father was. I, that, to my, you had to give him that in dose. This dude already already can't handle basic, basic force knowledge and basic knowledge about stuff. And his world had been rocked. It had been rocked enough. I mean, I, I, couldn't, I can't imagine what that would have been like to be like, oh, yeah, your father's a mass murderer. And you have to go kill right. him. And yet, you allow for Vader to tell him that, though. Like, you didn't think he would tell him? I don't... So, if nothing else, you... I think he was going to get told, but the boy went went to go fight him. I think they would have said it eventually. I don't think they wanted to tell him right then in that moment. Fair enough. That's a lot to handle. And I think Obi-Wan had PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. I shouldn't laugh at that, but... PTSD is not funny, but Look the idea is that when, when he, in episode four, where they're talking about where he's like having memories about what happened back in the day. It may look like somebody slapped him in the face. Like, I don't know if Alan Guinness did that on purpose or he was told to do it, but he looks startled when he's when he because he has boy, well, I think he has to make the lie up on the fly, too. So he looks genuinely startled about some things. Right. Alan Guinness is a, is a great actor. Or was a great actor. I don't know. Like I, I kind of agree with you. Like they should have been more open with Luke about who his father was. But then you can argue too. Like why doesn't Obi Wan start training him when he's a boy? You know why wait till he's grown and right. So you can start splitting hairs with certain things about why this and not that with this. But I, I just think too like the tr- the training scene for Luke here is really kind of vital about one bringing out and fleshing Luke out as a character but two giving a glimpse of kind of like what the Jedi should be and then right. looking back at the prequels hindsight's 2020 seeing what they were and and where they went wrong i don't know if that was intended or just when he was doing the prequels he kind of worked that in or not but i don't know i mean yes yoda was long story short yoda was kind of annoying but i think it was with the purpose no, I could get the the reason why he had to do it. It just was bugging me to watch um, every time that I have. And I thought that I would get over it <laughs> at some point. I haven't seen it a couple of times, but uh, no, it never did. What do you guys think about some of the places we visited this? You know, we talked about Hoth. We didn't really talk about Han and their journey to the Cloud City in Lando Calrissian. I thought, again, just visually... Cloud City was dope. 
the concept of it being a gas, um, you know, having a gas factory or being a, a gas planet, I thought was pretty interesting. I wouldn't have considered that. And he's I did like that Lando was a businessman. I was kind of salty. He was a double crosser, though. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? It had to be Billy D. Williams. That was that was the traitor, though. There is a reason why he did it, though. Sure. He did it to protect his people. Yeah, so it's not like he just did it just because he Han got the Falcon from him or something like that. There was right. a reason to kind of, you know, he had to make a, a deal with the devil, so to speak. Sure. You know, I thought the Cloud City was cool. I thought the scenes were, were good. One thing that always, as a kid, <laughs> in, in rewatching it recently, is the scene where 3PO walks into, like, the, the garbage <laughs> room and gets shot. Oh, man. And then, yeah, and then, and then Chewbacca finds him and say. Like, what were you doing in the garbage room in the first place? And then they, he brings them, and everyone's all casual about it. Like, this dude's obviously been maimed through some act of violence. Yeah. And they're just like, what was he doing in there? Huh? Well, I'm sure Lando has somebody who can fix him. It's like, no. Like, somebody. Something is somebody, wrong here. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be a peaceful place. Like, basically, you should be on higher, you know, higher alert than you were. Right. Everybody was like, let's go to breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, 3PO's messed up? Man, you know, he's annoying anyway. <laughs> well, it, yeah, in their, in their defense, in their defense, it's been a long road trip, so. That's true, yeah. Oh, we we didn't talk about the asteroid belt. Oh, that was a good scene. Yeah, it was. John Williams outdid himself on that one. <laughs> he's the greatest of all time. He has to be. Like, the action and anticipation in that scene is why you make action scenes. Like it, it was just it, oh, you got oh, you got C three PO in the background. Oh, 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 look, there's another one. And all the while, Solo Han Solo is trying to put the ship together as they're flying. Good stuff, man. Like it's like I said, you it just got to do a wing counter, man. Like I, I I would love to just go just moment through moment and just talk about how much I love that movie because it's that good. Agree. Yeah. The scene of Solo Han and Leia saying "I love you" and "I know," that's iconic. You know, no, there there are so many moments in that movie which people quote and and they treasure to this day. Yes, I like their their uh, chemistry and their interactions on the in this movie. You know, it starts out when he wants to leave and she's obviously upset but won't say anything. He's like they're walking mm-hmm. through the hallways and have the argument and. You know, all through the movie, they they have this, you know, will they, won't they, kind of like unsure. And, you know, they, they kind of feel some type of way about each other, but they never say it until that that scene when Han is, is frozen. Mm-hmm. And in that scene when he says, I know, was actually ad-libbed. You know, again, Harrison Ford understanding the character and be like, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't say I love you, too, or something like that. He'd be a little more cocky with it. And it works. 100 percent work. The movie's just too good. Yeah. I mean, and uh, once it, for context, I mean, people back then were like, wait, 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 so you just in the movie like this? Right, right. <laughs> wait, so wait, 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 hold up, hold, whoa, 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 wait, so, so the rebellion is scattered across the galaxy, and um, our, our hero who we've been fawning over for three years Got his is missing the hand. The evil guy is his dad. Han is is in Han it. is frozen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
they're in bad shape. Like, it it was like they all they're doing is like looking at the galaxy because they're in they're like they're in such rough shape. Like, mm-hmm. And that was that was a heck of an ending. And completely opposite of what we got in a New Hope, like exactly. one eighty. They were victorious in a New Hope, and this one it it does it looks bleak. Yeah, they're, they're surviving in itself is 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 a win. I mean, yeah, they've they've lived to fight another day, but right. the right. odds are because the odds are so bad. Like the only reason, like Leia, Leia, Luke, and Chewie, and uh, and um, shoot, and uh, black guy, I don't want to say that, but uh, Lando, <laughs> Lando oh, wow. survived is because they just they just so happened to bump into R two. The ship hasn't worked the entire movie. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. And I got him out of there. Which brings us to Return of the Jedi. Yes. This one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> you what, nobody's excited about Return of the Jedi? Um it, it's anticlimactic. Like I, loved, I enjoyed I it, it as a kid. But it, after Empire Strikes Back, it was uh it was a little Matrix yeah, 3 to, to me. Top that. Wow. Jeez, that's... I don't know about that. I don't one, mean but. it. I don't mean it like it was bad. I just mean <laughs> that it was... It's not we were on such a high note, and it was it was a, a bit of a letdown. That's all. Gotcha. George Lucas really George Lucas that movie. Yes, he did. <laughs> like... And I, think, and I think that that's what the funny part about it is. We should have... The Ewoks were the precursor... To like Jar Jar Binks. Agreed. Because it's like. Not as bad though. It's not as bad. But it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. In the same. Like. So you couldn't just make them just normal people? No. Because that's not new and different. <sighs> and beyond that. I get. I get the idea of. You know. Different life forms on different planets. Like I was. I was down for that. But. Honestly. The Ewoks didn't bother me nearly as much as um, Jabba's people, the the singers. Ugh. Which one? The special, the special edition version. It may have been the special edition version with like the blue singers on yeah, it. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah. yeah, no. he, yeah, he, he tried to he tried to recreate the can, the cantina scene mm-hmm. without oh, understanding what made that scene. dope. That scene was great. Exactly. It was like he, he's one person who should never. He's like Zack Snyder. Like I don't think you know how the cgi thing works <laughs> like it's either really good or it's like really bad like because mm-hmm. that scene worked perfectly without those singers right right and he, then he did the same thing with the star like pit like all of a sudden now we needed this like beak bird venus flytrap situation mm-hmm. yeah we don't and we and i don't think you really needed that i mean Everything the emperor is is fantastic. He enjoys being evil. He's he loves it. He <laughs> loves every second of it. He mm-hmm. he truly enjoys his job. Oh, he wakes up every day glad to be emperor. He wakes up every day looking for new ways to be evil and I love it. <laughs> that I mean, he just wakes up like who do I need to torture today? Not even who do I need to, who do I get to? Yeah. He every scene the emperor's in, he just enjoys himself. When you're talking about enjoying being evil, sorry to backtrack. This is the only thing I'm bringing up about that I forgot until now. 
the scene where <laughs> where Vader is is interrogating Han and he's torturing him. <laughs> And there's no reason for him to do that. He can make him tell him what he wants with the force. That means <laughs> right. he's just doing that because just he enjoyed he wanted it. To. <laughs> the noises Han was making, I didn't understand as a child. But now, it's like, it's like when you get in the shower and it's, and it's too hot. <laughs> oh, man, I forgot about that. I was just like, man, this dude. But uh, it's like mm, yeah, this is what you get for dating my daughter. Mm, yeah, right. Palpatine is the goat, man. I'm so glad they're bringing him back. Mm, we'll talk about that one in the look. If the movie is bad, even if the movie is bad, if oh, not getting, I'm not getting into that with you right now. We'll talk in the next episode. <laughs> if it's bad, Palpatine will be the funniest part of that movie because he'll just be sitting there just so happy that just people and planets have been exploding and he's just been sitting here <laughs> pulling the strings and having such a great time. Oh yeah, I was thrown in, in, into in, into the reactor and I'm still here. Mm. Right. Like he's just, he's, he's, he's just a, a nut. It's so campy, it's good. Nah, we'll see. <laughs> I was just thinking about um like that that skit from Family Guy where it's like Palpatine, he's like something, something, something dark side. <laughs> and and he, I just love how sure of himself he is. It's like every scene, he just knows exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. Right. It's the power of the dark side, man. And from the jump, from the first scene, the first scene, and Vader's talking to like the colonel and he's like the emperor's coming here yeah and he's not as forgiving as I am and then you hear the imperial march in the background I love hey, it man, you that is the that's the scariest thing to have been told because you know what Vader is capable of and he letting you know I'm <laughs> I'm not the baddest dude on the planet well Vader's not out here killing people for fun like he kills you for incompetence like right he killed the, the admiral, admiral in a in a strikes. <laughs> he is stupid as he is clumsy. <laughs> That's why he kills you. The emperor will sit there and be like, "Hmm, so how many kids you got? Ooh, yeah, this is gonna be real nice when I kill you." Terrible person. He, he is, but you know, you know why he's so cocky? Because he was able to like basically sleepwalk, not even sleepwalk, but just basically build the empire in front of the Jedi and with their help. So, I mean, if I did that, be confident, too. Shout out to Master c 4 ds Right. The Clone <laughs> Army. What do you guys think about how this one opened up with them going to rescue Han from Jabba's palace? That, uh, it's so bad. It's, it's so I mean, bad. It was, a, it was a loose end that needed to be tied up, though. I'm not upset about it being him being... It's Luke's plan. Like, I guess I, the Luke's plan, and I know they wanted to do another set piece, probably... I just think that they had enough information and they had enough friends to just, if they wanted to go take care of business, they could have just took care of business. I agree. It was unnecessarily complicated. But it was unnecessarily complicated and you needed a, a, a lot of things to work. And I don't understand why Luke would give somebody else's lightsaber. It's your most powerful weapon. Right. Yeah, the weapon's your life. That was for our benefit. I get, yeah. Because it, it's not a, it was not a good technical move, but for the audience, it was cool to see. Because it looks, it looks like 
Luca's not going to be able to get himself out of this one. And then all of a sudden, R2 hit him with the lightsaber, and he, you know, yeah. he kind of well, does his thing. When, when, in all honesty, you're right. Like, he could have just showed up right after, you know, Jabba obviously was not going to take the deal. He could have just popped up with the lightsaber, like, oh, oh, but you are. But that's the thing, too. I think it's, it's kind of goofy that he gave it to R2-D2. But at the same time, remember, in Empire, he lost it. So as an audience, we don't know if he has another one. Like, the Jedi aren't around. We don't know. We know where you can find another weapon like that. So I think And it's the, green. <laughs> exactly. It's a different color, what we've seen. So I think that was, you know, fan service. Oh, it absolutely was. That's why yeah, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it definitely Because cause I'm pretty sure Princess Leia got enough clout to get 100 shock troops to come in there and get her boyfriend. Right. Think about this, though. The Huts are a crime family. So you're already fighting the Empire. Then you want to start a war with the Huts? Okay. I mean, from that, it, it, the plan is still convoluted. Oh, the plan was kind of dumb because it doesn't seem, it seems like Luke had a plan and Leia had a plan, but the, neither of their plans, like, included one another. Right. right. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I think that, yeah, that in the, um, the, uh, j- just the Ewoks kind of bother me. I think. I would probably give A New Hope a 9.5 out of 10. Empire is 10 out of 10. I'd probably give uh, Return of the Jedi 7 out of 10. That's fair. And that's because of those two things. Because as a child, I really thought, you know, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And as I watch it now, I just sit there and go like, so the fate of the galaxy is in the hands of teddy bears. the ewoks were to sell toys though you know what that was about yeah i mean obviously you wouldn't have known it at the time right no no not at all yeah i want i want the ewok toy but and no one sells toys like star wars i mean that's just a monster in itself i mean those are really just my, my my two gripes with the whole with the whole film like i think it was shot well i of course i spilled out my love for emperor palpatine who somehow nobody knows is a Sith. Right. He got a tight circle. Like, because remember he had those other ghostly looking guys who he hangs out with. (laughs) Luke really, really comes into himself. And he sets who he is in that film and who he would be for the rest of his life. Who he should be for the rest of his life. Who he should have been going forward. Right. But when he, he's a pacifist. He truly saw the good in his father and he was willing to die on it. And I think I don't think that made him a pacifist though. He he force chokes those um pig guards in the beginning of, of the movie, which He choked them and they went to sleep. They woke up eventually. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But, but he learned his lesson from the cave. And the lesson was that if you take the aggression into the situation, it's gonna have a bad result. So and he was tempted by the dark side when he said when Darth Vader wanted to get smart in that moment. And he saw where he was going to end up. He learned his lesson from the cave that if I don't check my emotions, if I don't check my aggression, I'm going to end up just like my father. And he throws the lightsaber away. And that's who he is. Luke will die instead of becoming what he hates, unlike his father. So where was all of this pacifism and, and new enlightenment when he was throwing his temper tantrum? When? What are you talking about? When he was fighting Vader. 
He checked himself. He used the dark side of the force to win the fight, but he checked himself. Eventually. Eventually. He saw what he was going to become. He learned the lesson in that moment. I ain't buying it. But even before then, he wasn't trying to fight him. He literally was hiding. Agreed. In that moment, he used the fear of loss of his sister to incite a reaction. And it worked. And it worked. But instead of completely going overboard, he checked himself, which was something his father couldn't do because episode three, the fear of loss is what created the whole situation in the first place. I enjoy this movie a lot. One of the issues I've always had with it is his eagerness that he can help his father and return him to the to the light side of the force, which he doesn't even fully understand yet at this point in time. Right. And they're on Endor. They avoid being murdered and eaten by the Ewoks because that was the Ewoks' intention was to have them for dinner. Indeed. Which I didn't pick up on as a child, but, you know, again, once you get older, you're like, huh, they're, we're going to kill them. Um, I forgot where I was going to go because I just thought about how weak Luke must be to let a little bit of rope and have his hands tied up, prevent him from using the force or something to get out of that. Yeah, there were a lot of plot holes in this one. Yeah. So he talks with Leia about the force being strong and lets her know that they're related brother and sister. And, you know, she's kind of like, yeah, I feel like I've kind of always known, which is kind of weird because she kissed him. But whatever we talked about last episode. Right. But then he just turns himself in to Darth Vader because he's like, I believe that, you know, you can become a good man and blah, blah, blah. You know, so I'm just going to surrender myself to you. And what does Vader do is take him before the Emperor. It's like, what did he think he was, was going to happen in that situation? Like, he shows up, hey, I'm Luke Skywalker with the Rebel Alliance. You guys have been looking for me. Take me to Darth <laughs> Vader. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, like, yeah. What does he, what does he, what does, what, how does he think he can accomplish this? Just by showing up and saying, hey, I'm your son, dad. Like, let's good again. There was a lot of faith involved in that on his part. Yeah. But if you, if you really think about it, that part kind of does make sense to me that he would think that he would be able to change his father just because of, even though estranged and recognizing all the terrible things that his father did, he still had love for him. So he had to believe that the love would re- was reciprocated. At least that's what he was thinking, in my opinion. Can I say the best line in the entire movie? Shout out to James Earl Jones. Man, and I'm talking, it gives me chills now. When they're, you know, they're sitting in the throne room and, and Vader goes, you have a sister. <clears throat> you have a twin sister. Your feelings have betrayed her too. Man. Yeah, man. That was the way those lines are delivered. Indeed. It sends chills up my spine. Like, it was like Vader had finally got like a little weak spot or like he found like a little nugget that he'd been looking for. Correct. And just couldn't wait to use. It was so evil. Like, he was just like, <laughs> I've been using, it's just been one of you. You irritate me right now. But he had nothing, and that when he found it, he was like, "This is it." Oh man! And, like, and he got the reaction he was looking for. And he got, and, and he he brought that smoke, and he wasn't ready for that smoke. No, lost his hand again. Right. <laughs> we can't speak about enough about like you know. I remember like you know in production, like the guy who played Vader was always upset that they didn't use his oh, voice. Hey man, get over it. Get over because that line 
is executed so perfectly and is shot where, you know, you hear the voice and you see Luke's reaction to it. Mm -hmm. It's well put together. And that's why the Ewoks and the other things don't bother me like they do other people. Because the core story is good. It's those little things that are just kind of you could still have the main story without their plot. Agreed. Han is a little weird in office. And then and my thing about that is he just woke up. Right. He's trying to find his space, which is why he kind of is, he doesn't kind of know what's kind of going on a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's been out of it for a while. He's been out of it for a while, but he, at the end of the day, I think he's still Han, and, I, and he still carries weight on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Return of the Jedi was a great way to wrap up the story and the saga that was told. I still haven't rewatched it, you know, recently and, and trying to be, you know, more analytical and intellectual with it, trying to figure out how Anakin was redeemed. I still just don't see it. I mean, he kills the Emperor, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I've always been kind of skeptical of the prophecy. Like, I know in some, some of the extended universe stuff, they've kind of alluded to that hey the prophecy you know it's just mumbo jumbo doesn't mean it's gonna happen or you know things like that but how in in what he did did that bring balance to the force you know i think that's one thing that they've never really done a great way of showing which i guess might be hard in and of itself is how the force was kind of out of balance like we know we saw the jedi and it had kind of been cloudy for them but maybe because we didn't see them in an era where it wasn't yeah, and maybe that's why right. we can't. We couldn't see why how it became out of balance. Freddie Prince Jr. had did you did you, he had like a Star Wars rant recently? I I saw that. That kind of really talks about the balance part of things. And he said he's according to him, the information he was relaying was coming straight from uh, Mr. Lucas himself. Mm-hmm. I, we, I think we talked about it a little bit. That. I think you referenced the balance part of it. I didn't realize until later that it was the Freddie Prince Jr. thing that you were that you were talking about. Yeah, because because when he after he said it, it made sense. Sure, it does. And and it goes further when you know. Of course, we'll talk about it next week. I think um, there what the original plan for the the sequel trilogy was going forward was uh, with Carrie Fisher being a Jedi Master herself. Right. So. The, the balance thing was thrown adrift definitely after the emperor left and then and Vader died and Vader died right because right. darkness will always rise I don't want to get too far into into the sequel trilogy and what they were trying to do and why they missed it I don't think that it was explained to the general public because I I, I feel like JJ thought maybe you could catch up because if you really think about it, it it makes it does make sense, right? Because at the end of Return of the Jedi, the Force is out of balance because darkness is is kind of eradicated. So it would make sense that eventually it has to rise up again. So that's how we get Kylo. I, I see what you're saying, but so I, I guess I have two viewpoints in Star Wars continuity. I have the George Lucas continuity, which to me has a you know higher authority, and then I have the Disney continuity. Mm-hmm. The way these films one through six are shot and written, it's as if that's it. There's no, you know, what I mean, like there's that's there's the nothing story. else to it. There's nothing else to it. Anakin's fulfilled the prophecy and has brought balance back to the Force. And it should have been left like that. Yeah, it should have. But so I don't know. I guess I just don't know what George was was intending with with that or how he 
how he meant that. You know, that's one of the things I I would like to see. Well, he but, had another. But there's no. But there is no balance to the force. If if that is George's original idea behind it, it was left out of balance because balance would require both dark and light, and there was no dark. Somehow, in his Lucas logic, it is. But then again, too, you like you said, there's there's no dark, and. This, I think, is something that we'll have to dive into in the next episode, too, about Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. When was the Force asleep? Not to sound like a bad <laughs> joke, but, <laughs> you know, to, according to Yoda and uh, the way, the, what the Force is, based on what he, he said in the movies, the, under Lucas, that the Force is something that involves every living creature. So whether you're a force user or force sensitive or not, the force is still going to be there. Now you may not be trained in the ways to use it, but there'll be people out there who people who exist who are force sensitive, for instance, and for some reason they know what's going to happen before it happens. They don't know why, but they'll get those glimpses or premonitions or whatever you want to call them, or they'll have better reflexes or, you know, emotional reactions to certain things. But they don't know why. So the force is always around and the force is always going to have people who use it. So I don't know. You know, I, that's the thing is, like, I don't know what balance Anakin brought. And and I see what you're saying is, like, it must still be unbalanced because you need one side and the other. Right. And I think you're going to have the dark side because you're going to have the people who are sensitive to it, don't know why, don't know how to use it. But they have the, that darker intentions. But for somehow some way Vader Anakin is uh, redeemed and two has brought balance to the force under George Lucas continuity. And that's the, that's the piece that I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah. Cause that doesn't make sense to me. And, and maybe there's something that I'm missing. Like I think what you say makes a lot of sense in the notion that the darkness does exist. It just not, doesn't have to exist in a single Sith or in the order of the Sith. That, that makes sense to me. So I could see how there could be balance there. I think that is as good a place as any, honestly, to close it out. I mean, that's a, a interesting thought to close with. And I think that will be a good opener for episode seven and see if we oh, can see God. the connection between. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> between whether or not there was truly balance in the force um, at the end of episode six and what we end up with in episode seven and beyond. So that's it. Any final thoughts about the original trilogy? Yeah, I will say that, you know, it's been it's been a fun adventure, a fun ride. And getting to know the characters and the world that Lucas was building, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's just part of your childhood. You grew up with it. It's been around my entire life. I've never lived in a world without Star Wars. And even if I can, you know, tie in like the original episodes one through six, I think overall even the the bad parts you know like the even in the better trilogy like the ewoks and the slow moving pieces of episode four i think it's still a really really good story and i think where it ended up is where george lucas kind of intended it to go um i know he had other treatments that kind of explored the the force a little bit more in this universe but i think kind of what we got was just enough i think for the skywalker family you know, I'd like to explore a, some more characters, kind of like that was done in, in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this time they stick around a lot longer. 
but just explore more <laughs> of this universe that exists because there's so many things about the Jedi that we still don't know. There's so many things about what happened after the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire. And because the universe is a big place. Right. And there are just so many other stories out there that we could really see from Star Wars. And I think this was a great story in that universe. And ever since, you know, since it was wrapped up, what's next? You know, what what else to see? So I really enjoyed rewatching these movies. Love them because it's just, you know, you just enjoy it. And each time you kind of you watch it, I think you pick up on something that you didn't notice the, the time before. Think about what it could mean for uh, the bigger universe. Agreed. It's a reason why. Star Wars has such an impact on our lives, whether we were born into it, we came in late, or not even, you know, really into it, into the franchise or into science fiction. Everyone knows what Star Wars is. Everyone knows what the Force is and a lightsaber and things like that. So it's a reason it's iconic and it's such such a big part of pop culture. Well said. True indeed. Cal? Oh, I mean, that's really my, a lot of my sentiments of... Uh, I grew up with Star Wars. I love the original trilogy. I love how they they really are aging well. They're getting better and better. Um, I'm learning more things, more things about filmmaking and uh, you know cinematography, editing, and things like that 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 made them so good. And um, it's just really cool that we could we can look back and. A baby, uh, a, a, not a baby, but a, a, a frog puppet talking to, to Mark <laughs> Hamill, who could not even hear the lines because Frank Oz was under the floor. Mm-hmm. So he had to try to figure out what was going on. So I think that's a testament to how great Mark Hamill has been for years. And it works. And it, it has created a lot, of, a lot of happy memories for me. Uh, um, I really... It takes me back to when I was a child, and I think that's what film should do. Film should take you out of your out of your your present mind and and put you in a place where you're really really happy. And uh, it's, it's escapism at its finest. I don't need everything quite just you know described and fleshed out and you know the plot holes that didn't really make sense in the original trilogies and stuff like that. It, it doesn't bother me as much because at the end of end of it it's a it's a it's a trilogy that has a lot of heart and it's the perfect hero story arc you take a, a child from from humble beginnings and then you make him a legend and he does he does it in such a fantastic way with his friends i don't think you could ask you could ask for more from a series and I really wish that they had understood what made people love Star Wars in the beginning and what made it special going forward. Because Star Wars isn't isn't a Marvel movie, it's not a superhero brand. It's bigger than that. It's something that people that truly feel they have an ownership over. And uh, it's once again we're just talking about like this I live in a world where Star Wars has always been. It just exists. <laughs> And uh, Star Wars is just Star Wars. I I love it, and I'm going to continue loving it. My son loves it already. He's growing up in a world where he can appreciate Baby Yoda. (laughs) And that's really, really... I had had a picture of Baby Yoda on my phone, and he said, that's Baby Yoda. That's cool. That Star Wars is very much so generational and something that you pass down. And the original got it right. In, on every, on pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. I like to even, uh, not to keep going on, but when you said getting it right, um, 
George Lucas, you can see his evolution, the evolution of his world in these films. And even back in the 80s, because um, Return of the Jedi was originally Revenge of the Jedi. And then at some point, he realized, or upon talking with other people, he realized Jedi aren't about revenge. And that's why they changed the title to Return of the Jedi. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just little things like that where, you know, he's doing things and adding on to this universe and fleshing it out um, so that we can have that escapism and have this story that, you know, we're drawn into. Um, and it's really watching them, like you said, watching them chronologically is really interesting to do and see how they kind of play into each other. Even if you even including the other supplemental stuff like Clone Wars and uh, Rogue One, even though Rogue One was under kind of like a Disney, but based on story by Lucas. So, right. What about you? I don't know that I could say sum it up any better than the two of you all did. But you'd have a different opinion because you kind of are a latecomer. True. True. Their perspective is a lot different. Like my first movie I remember is Return of the Jedi ever. See, mine's oh, wow. Strikes Back. That's wild. That's wild. No, I definitely don't have a connection to it in that way, right? It wasn't wasn't my first film uh, by any stretch. I guess for me, with the original trilogy, it helped me to appreciate the prequels more. Because, I mean, there were still things that I didn't like about them. And I think, although having, having some knowledge of uh, the franchise going into it may have spoiled some moments for me, I think it also gave me a bit of a, a fresher perspective because I didn't feel burden is probably the wrong way to put it. I didn't feel the same weight of 30 years of loving Star Wars and going into an analysis or just even going to watch it just for its own sake. I was able, at least on the first go around, able to watch it just to watch it and, and really enjoy it the same way that people who saw it in 1977 were able to enjoy it i think it was masterfully done i know i've made some critiques about about the trilogy and you know i feel like they're valid um some of them were done for comedic effect i'll be honest (laughs) but even with some of the things that i you know choices i didn't necessarily agree with or things that i didn't particularly care for the overreaching story from a new hope to return of the Jedi is solid. Like it's a hero's journey from, you know, being a farm boy to the man. That's what Luke's uh business card should say. Luke Skywalker, the man. <laughs> like when you say the man, the myth, the legend, he is all encompassing in that in a very real way. Obviously it's a fictional character, but it, you know, within that universe that's a very real thing when you talk about Luke Skywalker. And Literally destroyed the first Death Star. <laughs> No doubt. Like, mm-hmm. like this dude is has been talked about through the universe. Like, yo, this dude's a monster. Yes, indeed. And I heard he killed the Emperor and Vader. Right. He was the only one that walked out of there. Hey, Amen. Luke, Luke ended the Empire. Ended the Empire's reign. Essentially, single-handedly, right? That's how the story would go. That's obviously not the truth, but... That's how the rumors would get started. Like, yo... Sure. So I I very much enjoyed it and even down to the music. I think that was that was probably my second favorite part of the whole thing. Like the story itself was dope, but the music and the musical choices that John Williams made 
Cal mentioned it a little bit earlier, the music of Star Wars is, you know, it permeates all the films, but certain certain sequences, the music drops out. So you get an opportunity to really experience this without it. And the absence of the music speaks volumes in and of itself. We were discussing the, the lightsaber fight where you hear Vader breathing and you hear the lightsabers between he and Luke. That's one of them. Uh, the pod races. I know we're not talking about the, the prequels, but it was the same thing. You drop the music out and you just get to experience this thing. It is a cinematic experience. And I enjoy the whole thing, even when I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> it sounds so final. And yet it's not because we still have one more episode to go before the actual final one when we give you our final thoughts on episode nine but until we get to then uh thank thanks to you guys for tuning in thank you cal for hanging out with us again we definitely appreciate your input make sure that you guys rate us review us wherever you happen to listen to podcasts uh subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend find us on ig at views from the back of the class underscore pod uh, you can find us on Twitter at the other N word. Uh, follow us there. We out you. And uh, we would love to hear your thoughts. Shout out again to the indoors women. Definitely. Um, we appreciated their input from the last episode. And also for this week. This week, we have another special guest for you guys. This time we have the chat pack podcast. Chat Pack Podcast is another one of uh, the podcasts we listen to. It's a weekly podcast with uh, new episodes that are released on Mondays. And they talk about video games, uh, movies, entertainment, comics, anime, or this, that, and the other thing. It's a really entertaining part of my weekly rotation. Um, you know, there's a lot of parallels between the, the content that both of our podcasts discuss. So we really wanted to hear what they had to say about Star Wars and are really excited to share this with you guys. So check out the chat pack podcast we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what star wars means to us because i was, was the cinema and you know the joker star kind of being wars. important to me and batman being a big thing uh it's, it's a big deal to i would say definitely all of us but more so to a certain returning guest host of ours but uh, trevor why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what we're going to do here uh yeah so basically um there's another podcast that's called views from the back of the class um it's a great podcast. They talk about basically all things nerdy. Uh, it's a couple of guys that live in Chicago, Josh and JB. Um, so they reached out to us and they said, hey, we had this idea. We want to do a big Star Wars episode um, and we'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. So we're going to discuss Star Wars because we love Star Wars and we all have lots of thoughts and feelings about it. And uh, Strong opinions. Hopefully we'll make the cut into... Um, a greater episode that they'll be hosting, and I look forward to listening to that. Caleb, you lead this one off, buddy. I feel like out of anyone, well, the, the blood, the Star Wars blood runs deep. Just let's just start off with what Star Wars means to you. What what is this like an icebreaker in yeah. first grade <laughs> elementary let's class? Break the ice. Uh, tell yeah, us your name. Star Wars. Tell us where you're from, and then what Star Wars episode is your favorite. <laughs> Well, my name's Caleb. I grew up in the gutter. Um, My favorite Star Wars is... Why do you have to be right? Yeah, it's probably three. (laughs) (laughs) I also... Hold on. I just want to say that to all you 
who think that Star Wars Episode One is terrible, you're wrong. You're wrong. There's plenty of good merit. Two sucks. I get it. No, I, I totally get it. Ewan McGregor's haircut is terrible. Like, that's <laughs> that's my biggest qualm with the storyline, honestly. Besides, like, the whole sh- part about Anakin and Padme, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's it, bad. The but adventures Star of Wars Kenobi in Episode 2 are kind of good, though. They're kind of cool. He goes to the planet and no. he fights Grievous. No? No? Okay. Yeah. I don't... I don't... I will say, and this will be my brief thing and let Caleb continue... I find about zero redeeming value from Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. I mean, yeah, they have that. Yeah, they the, have the one of the sucks. coolest sound effects in any movie okay. ever. They, which they is do the have some cool sound charge. design and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, Slave One. What is the ship is called? Slave One, right? It's a uh, yeah, yeah. Boba Fett Jango ship, Fetz and then Boba Fett ship. Drops those bombs. That is the coolest thing ever. When I was a little kid, yeah. that was the coolest. It's. Shit a, ever. I think they call it a seismic charge. Seismic charge. There you go. I think that's what they call. It. It's been. I used to be like a lot more into Star Wars. Now I've transitioned to like the Game of Thrones universe. So, anyway, I will say Star uh, Wars. Yes. Yeah, so, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we got to go back to the Star Wars thing. Hold on. Back it up. Where were we at? Episode two. Episode, episode one. two. Seismic charges. Your love for the prequels, basically. Yeah, I think you know. I was in that generation. I was born in 95. You guys were both born in 94, correct? Yep. Yep. So I think George Lucas specifically aimed those movies, which I want to say episode one came out in... 99. 99, and then the next one was 2001. 2001. And then then 2003, correct? Maybe. I think something like that, yeah. (laughs) So like they were very specifically aimed... To be like, I mean, you can see that the the first episode was geared towards younger people. It was geared towards preteens and maybe even a little bit younger and some teenagers who had a young heart. And then episode two was kind of, there was a lot more romance in it. And that sucked, unfortunately. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that romance sucks in general, like, as, like, a trope in a film. But, like, it was it was bad. It was... Anakin and Padme's relationship throughout the whole prequels is weird painful. and bad. <laughs> I hate sound. Gets everywhere. <laughs> One of the most infamously bad lines. <laughs> she like, just what? doesn't care. Like, everything that Anakin does, she does not care. She literally could care less. She And she's oblivious. She's like, what? He wouldn't do that. Sorry. Killing young. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. Annie. Second one. Yeah. But the third <laughs> one was pretty good. I mean, like some of the best scoring. I mean, I think it was um Dude, uh, Duel of the Fates from Phantom Menace, Menace yep. is definitely one of the best if That's not the sad. best song like Star Wars song there is. Like Star I would say uh, Also, going, I think like, it's Battle of Heroes in episode three. Like there's some no there's idea. really Obi-Wan, good music in episode three, too. Obi-Wan versus Duel of the Fates uh, is great yeah. though. John Williams is like um, oh yeah, you can't really. Um, the score point. is always good, and it adds to the atmosphere. But uh, you know, I don't know. But I mean, so I, this is a controversial point, and I don't know how well educated you guys you guys are on it. But oh boy. do you know anything about the conspiracy original plot line where Jar Jar? Yeah, is actually. <laughs> The main master bad guy, like the, the he's head the Sith. Sith. Yeah, he's a Sith Lord. And like, have you like? I mean, it's pretty. I wish I could say I believe in that. I really there's firmly. An, there's I a want clip to. of George Lucas. Like, I 
he somebody like he's just like talking and he's like no 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 it all hinges on jar jar it's all about jar jar <laughs> and i mean See, i like i can kind of believe that because a lot of the argument i've heard for it is like when you meet yoda in the original trilogy yoda is this like goofy wacky alien guy who turns out to be like the most master of the master jedis and like really integral part of like all of that so I can definitely see, because George Lucas is so, like, formulaic in the way that he builds stories, I can totally see him doing the same thing, but with a Sith instead of a Jedi, and and building this wacky, alien, goofy character that everyone's like, meh, that, that dude's ridiculous, and then he ends up being, like, really important to the story. <laughs> I can go, I can totally see that. Uh, the, the here's my thing. Jar Jar Binks exists because you nailed it on the head, Caleb, that younger demographic. And you want to know why he also exists? Toys. They were like, let's get this goofy alien in there and he's just going to go, a booga booga booga. And I'm going to be on floppy no. ears. And point, he's just going to move. point. He he I is disagree. solely in that movie to appeal to the younger audience. Everybody and to sell played toys. with the one the characters who had lightsabers and guns. He doesn't Dude, have anything. People want to. I mean, he has uh, floppy he, ears. He was which, in like, there. Back then, they three D printed. They didn't. They like <laughs> no, made they were just cast there. plastic. Just, yeah, it's just ears. That's all that mattered for that toy is ears. So no, I don't think that, that is no. That's bring up a different point, Paul. That's I don't think I think he's in there for comic relief, and because George Lucas wanted comic to do relief, some space yeah. fun, you know, some goofy. Also, little the Duncan Underworld, like where they go down and they've got the mouth breathers and they dive down, and then you know, Quag there's always a like, bigger fish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they do that that's whole. There's line. that whole big chase scene. They do all this crazy stuff, and how do they get sleep. out of that that dilemma? A big fish just comes <laughs> and eats the other one. Cool. That sounds good. Um, no, man. I mean, I will say though, episode one is definitely the best out of the prequels. Episode two is just two hours. You, of you think episode one's better than episode three? I think it's more interesting. Yeah, because I, dude, I think pod, pod racing is actually court. a really dope way to build the universe. Now, this is and I pod think that racing. still cheesy, and there's still a lot of stuff that I don't like. I love um, how he's just but, like constantly flipping switches, and it's just like. <laughs> you got the yeah. horribly offensive Watto in there, the slave owner, Why is he you offensive? know? He's just, a, I don't know. There's just like, he, I mean, he's just mean. He's just, he owns people. He's just rude. Oh. <laughs> well, I was like, he offended like, me because he was mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I just heard some other stuff too that he's a little problematic, but I don't quite know why. But I mean, slave ownership, problematic in general. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, and plus Darth Maul guy. and the Darth Maul Dude. fight. I mean, Darth Maul puts every other villain in yeah, two or three to in shame. All the Star Wars like, history. Count Dooku and Grievous are trash. Like, they don't do anything. And, like, I don't know, man. It's just, and I get it's the time, but it's just, like, I think some of the stuff that makes the original Star Wars special is just the extra effort and oomph they had to do into everything because the technology wasn't there. And well, then just the solely basing it. And, really. like, just solely putting everything in CG, which, obviously, again, the CG, if you compare it, it's not fair to compare it from then to now. But it's just, like, still, I just... It just didn't feel like that love and that attention was in there as it was in the original trilogy. And 
I mean, in terms of... Are you trying of, to I'm say not, that the, the newest, like the saga was a money grab? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I was going to say, and when it goes to the newer Star Wars, I just, I think they're entertaining movies. I don't necessarily think well, that they're that was a money than, grab. Clearly. That, though, I mean... But I mean, of course it is, but I mean, why aren't grab. they going to... I mean, yeah, but it's like, you know, it's just like... They're going to keep making Marvel movies. And yeah, it's a money grab, but it's like, I haven't mind where the story is gone. I didn't really necessarily episode like Episode 7 all... was the exact same as Episode yeah, 4. Yeah, which it's true, it was but it was awful. also like... Terrible. It, w- it, was, it wasn't awful, though. I mean, there was some stuff I didn't like, but like compared to watching 7 versus watching the other ones, I would watch Episode 7 before I'd watch any prequel without a doubt. I'd watch 8 before I'd watch any prequel before I'd doubt. I'd be way more entertained because... One, J.J. Abrams shoots a beautiful movie in The Last Jedi. I think he like it's just an appealing movie to look at and watch. And then, you know, I don't know, The Force Awakens, I really didn't have that much beef with. I thought it was an entertaining Star Wars story. The, the Force Awakens Minus the Carrie seven, Fisher correct? stuff at the end. She should never have floated Ugh. in space in that terrible CG. That uh, was literally that was one of the most atrocious things I've seen in a big budget movie. Dude, like, I, it takes a lot to pull me out of a movie. The that hyperspace, pulled me right out of the movie. The hyperspace to destroy the fleet thing. I know a lot of people hate that, and I thought that was the coolest ever that was so cool <laughs> like why did they not why did they not get destroyed i don't get it don't worry about but, it again. you know no she did also, get destroyed. Like, going in with them. <laughs> and like going with them too it's like again i'd rather watch rogue one versus any prequel rogue oh, one yeah. was a great rogue one like was sick so was, of, i really liked solo i thought like, solo was bad. Bad. i thought solo i thought solo got a lot of flack for just uh, i thought it was again i thought some stuff didn't work and i thought it was a little cheesy him meeting chewbacca didn't work for me in Solo, I didn't think that. I was like, this is not how Han Solo and Chewbacca would have met. Like, this is definitely not how it would have gone down. One, um, one of my other but, um, friends was super mad about that they, like, explained why his name is Solo. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> Which, mm-hmm. for me, I didn't even really think that much about it, but afterward, he was like, why would they do that? They're like, oh, you're by yourself? Okay, you're Solo. <laughs> it's, it's, just like, it's just a cheesy thing. But I, I loved like, that movie. I, I thought mean, it was to great. be fair, like, the original... I mean, like, I think that was the reason why George Lucas called him on solos because he's like, like a loner. <laughs> so it's like he didn't. I mean, he didn't think super hard about it. George, I feel like George Lucas is infamous for like having a great idea for a world and fleshing mm-hmm. it out in a cool way. But then when it comes to actual storyline, yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Like, I could believe the Sith thing with Jar Jar because he like kind of did that with Yoda. And I just feel like his story ideas are not super original. Like he's very much about like the hero's journey and like just the stereotypical yeah. like story ideas. Not that that's bad. Like I love Star Wars and I love all the movies, but that's just well, his my, storytelling. My biggest beef for sure with episodes seven through nine is that they had, uh, I think it's Lucas Arts is the company that does all of like the. I mean, not only the video games, but all of the Lucas Arts isn't in, it isn't. A thing. Lucasfilm. Sorry. Well, yeah, but not anymore. But like before, like Disney bought it all out. They had a bunch of books. There were multiple series of books. I can't remember. There was right. There was Jedi Quest, Jedi Apprentice, uh, Jedi Knight. I want to say we're all like it was. Um, there was Qui Gon and Obi Wan pre Episode One, and then there was. Uh, I want to say it was Anakin and Obi-Wan post-episode one, pre-episode two. And then there was Anakin and his apprentice, like, between two and three. Um, which was also in, uh, what's that, that Clone series? Clone Wars. Clone Wars, yeah. 
Like or she was in Clone Rebels. Wars. No, Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, it's Clone Wars. Um, but Ahsoka. All of the like there was a, there was a bunch of books after Episode Six, which you know originally was Episode Three, um, and they just kind of trashed those because once Disney bought it out, they were they said none of those books are canon. All that work that people did and got approved by LucasArts or LucasFilms or whatever it was called. That people, I mean, people love, like, including me, like, I'd read through a couple, like, I read through mostly prequel stuff. That was always my jam because I liked the old Republic stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I just think that's so, such a faux pas, so disrespectful to all the writers and the the people who curated those stories and made sure that they were canon and that they all lined up, that nothing, um, like, that there were no discrepancies between stories. That's, come well, on, you can't do that. And, like, the thing I don't really get about that is Disney took it over. They said all that stuff's not canon now. And from here on out, like, this stuff is canon. But then they've been, like, re-releasing, like, story, like, similar stories from the same eras and things with, like, new books and things like that. Like, I've seen there's books about Leia and there's some other, like, new books. And I'm like, why, why did they... Like, well, I guess they they didn't get any royalties from those books back in the day because Disney didn't own it or something. But it's just like, why would they make all those books not canon and get rid of all of that story and all of that, like, universe and then just start rebuilding it kind of the same way with new stuff? <laughs> I guess, I mean, it just all comes down to, I, I think they wanted some probably more money, but they had a vision that they wanted to go for and explore because, I mean, it is a shame. I, I didn't read a lot of, I didn't read any really Star Wars books, but I explored the lore because in reality, why Star Wars, I think Star Wars is cool, is not necessarily for the movies or the show. Just It's, it's just the, the, the world that it builds. Yeah, and the video games the, actually yeah, is 100% like the most of my Star Wars experience and like the most of my like love for Star Wars comes from Star Wars video games. Not just the Battlefronts. Obviously, those are the ones that everyone Knights goes to. Knights of the to, Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic is great. Um, on Galactic, Force if you Unleashed. like RTSs, um, Force Galactic Unleashed Battlegrounds was so good. on the uh, on the computer was like Age Empire of Empires, War. but with Star Wars. But well, it that was, was with, the same thing with Empire at War. Yeah, it, it was like just Age like... It was an RTS. Yeah, it was, yeah, and it's just like those are like that's what I think is cool about Star Wars, and it's like that's why in reality the movies aren't that big of a deal to me. I, like I, I don't, I, agree, I don't have actually, this like kind of. deep allegiance to the movies. I can tell you, I'm way more excited to play that uh, new Star Wars game that comes out next week. That where you're the Jedi fighting off the people when they're executing Order sixty six than I am to see Episode nine because I didn't that know game about that. Wait, hold on, let's let's insane. go to that. Explain that. Uh, I think it's called Star Wars: The Jedi L- Fallen Order. Some Jedi Fallen Order, and you're basically a Jedi. What that's is it for everything? I believe everything. EA is making it, and it's by oh. the people. <laughs> but up, up, up. It, EA is publishing it, but they have a they have a developer that's been making the Don't game. Care. And I believe it's if the people who made Titanfall. Titanfall's actually I mean, really good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's gonna it's, it's gonna like be respawn. And like all the previews. Yeah, respawn. I'm pretty already. sure made it. I'll probably um, play it, but I hate it already. Look, dude, go look up a trailer after this, and you'll probably Gosh. be like, "It's." I mean, did and you I ever get play it, Knights I, of the I, Old Republic? Kotar. I played. A, I played it. some Kotar. I played a little Republic Commando, but mine were Battlefront. Oh, Republic Galactic Commando! Battle- I forgot about that one. Seven. Oh, what <laughs> a storyline! Seven was one of the characters that had 
Um, I mean, it's, it's like an Halo old game, Reach with Star ending. Wars, kind of, but it, it like pre Halo Reach with these a little dudes. Bit. I mean, it it was so good, and like the Halo Reach just all the soon. animations. Like when you did a melee, like it would like you'd see, you know, for people who can see the camera, like you would punch like this, you know, but like <laughs> as you punched, a little blade would come out right here. So it was like, and like it had this little blade, and then you'd like it was so great because if you punched like a Geonosian. Then, like, you know, you get this, like, green goop blood kind of stuff. And if you punched a droid, then you'd get, like, kind of like an oil. It was like a <laughs> yellowish motor oil that would splatter all over you. Oh, oh so good. And, like, the best part, like, those video games, like, I think where they really shine is a role-playing game, a.k.a. KOTAR. Because, the, you know what you were saying, Paul, that, like, the world is what's so deep about those games. And that you can, like, you can go to different planets, you can explore different cultures, you can speak to the characters. And the people who did that for KOTAR, and I never really got into KOTAR 2, but, like, you could even, like, I mean, I would fly to planets, and I would do so much of, like, the, you know, they weren't side quests, but they were, like, um, you could go to a different planet, and you could just... It's interact with other characters and you can literally learn about the culture and the history of those planets through those characters and it's like such a cool world that was created by George Lucas and so unique I mean it really never existed like you know for somebody like George R. R. Martin with Game of Thrones like he is so heavily influenced by Tolkien like mm-hmm. in all of like the Lord of the Rings stuff that he did, well, and, and so and for some George R. R. Martin just loves like uh, medieval history and stuff too. So he just loves all that oh, kind of yeah. political. I mean, medieval. If you, if you, yeah, you get really into that <laughs> stuff. Like you can see, like, uh, like there's the Andals in Lord of the, or uh, sorry, in Game George, of Thrones. Like they're yeah. you know like the Queen of the Andals and the Seven Kingdoms. The first men. But like if you, yeah, the first men and the first men are clearly the Celtics. In the UK. And then (laughs) the Andals are clearly the Anglo-Saxons who came over and conquered. And, like, the north is Scotland and Ireland all rolled into one because that's where the Celtics have their foothold. And they kept their the old gods, which is, like, the pagan gods of the Celts, right? And then, like, the Andals came over, which is really the Anglo-Saxons, and kind of the Romans all rolled into one, which brought over Christianity, which is the seven. It's... It's we're, we're losing Paul right. by the second. <laughs> sorry, yep. sorry. I'm. I get. I get really so, into this. Star I've read, Wars. Read so much backstory to it. <laughs> but yeah, to I, yeah, to, to wind it back to probably put a bow on it. Um, mm-hmm. Star Wars is really cool. I'm interested in nine and whatever comes out. If I switch to Verizon tomorrow, I'm going to get a free year at Disney Plus, which means Ooh. I get to watch the Mandalorian, Boo! which is what I'm really oh, excited wait. about. Pedro Pascal, Dude. perfect. Yeah. Dude, that show is going to be. I think so that show is going to be tight. Because again, you that's what Pedro I want. Pascal, I really Trevor. don't care yeah. about the Empire. I don't really care about the Rebel. I mean, I do. It's oh, fine. Mandalorian is like, going to be so good. You want to know what I do care about? A cool <laughs> bounty hunter going through the Star Wars universe, hunting people down, doing stuff. Uh, uh, that's speaking, what, that if, sounds tight. If we can that's go back, if we can go back and open up Kotar, Knights of the Old Republic. It was a role playing game. Uh, <laughs> in the Star Wars universe, you got to interact with Mandalorians a bunch in that game. Like, you'd go to these planets, and all of a sudden, like, you'd be, like, walking, and, like, you have to go to this path, and, like, there'd be these, like, three dudes chilling, and you're like, all right, well, it's gonna go down. And so you keep walking, and then there's, like, a little, like, scene where you have to interact with them, and they're like, 
we were tasked to kill you. You know, like there's some kind of intelligent dialogue or semi-intelligent dialogue. <laughs> and then you have to fight them off. And like you get their armor and it's uh, the Mandalorian storylines and that are great I, too. I had a guy at work so ask me. Depth. I was reading like an article about the new Star Wars and he was like, oh, are you excited for that new Disney Plus uh, Marmalade show? And I was like, Mar- oh, Marmalade show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nailed it. Nailed <laughs> It. I was so confused. I was like, is that like... Address. I was thinking like, because the originals were like Blue Harvest or whatever. So I'm like, is that like a code for a new thing that I don't know about? I'm like, oh, Mandalorian. Oh, you're talking about... Ma- All right. <laughs> yeah, I am excited about it. <laughs> I don't know. It's Star Wars. It's more Star Wars. Good chance I'm going to watch it. I like Star Wars, but I definitely don't have this. There are some people that like Star Wars a heck of a lot more than me, and one of them's Caleb, but uh, we can all collectively agree his opinions about the prequels are just wrong. Yeah, so, I, you know, in general, Star Wars, I've fallen off quite a bit. Like, in my younger days, I was much more involved, and, in, like, I played... Well, how could the- you not, man? When we were younger, the prequels were tight, because we were yeah. younger. It was like, dude... Darth so Maul great. fight, droid battle. Like we didn't know, like what was it was just spa- it was a space fight, and then we got Battlefront, and we like great, we can do this in a game. Like at least for yeah. me, like it no, was, was totally that. Awesome. But uh, just going but then, back, that's the know. thing with the prequels. When you go back, I just don't think they hold up because I think the original movies have something special about them because of their importance. I think the new ones offer a look at Star Wars in the modern era, which I think is cool as well. So here's here's my hot takes the the prequels. I think that Darth Maul was so freaking cool, and I think they threw him away way too early. So yep. yeah, I really wish we could have seen more movies with Darth Maul. And then talking about the new trilogy, I think the new trilogy has done some of the coolest shit with lightsabers that well, I've yep, ever seen. Like when the original choreography blows them away. Well, in the in the effects, like when the originals <laughs> came out, the lightsaber was cool just because it was so different and like it hadn't been done yet and they like created special effects for that. But then when they did it with all the CGI and the prequels, I feel like it kind of lost some luster for me. And then when they did the new trilogies, they get they created these lightsabers that are like like Kylo's like it cackles and it like you know makes hisses and noises and it like it just seems heavy and he like just swings it through people like it's like this crazy like it's like a real broadsword or something you know but it's like laser energy it's just like way cooler than anything that I've seen in any even like in the video games it's just like the new lightsabers are just way cool that's like one of my favorite things in the new ones yeah, no, totally. I, I, I'm with you on that. And uh, I have more takes because, uh, and I'll leave it at this because uh, this is probably more than enough for our friends. And uh, uh, I will say Kylo Ren, not my favorite villain. I don't yeah. think he's very strong. That's a whole, I don't want to dive too far into that. But uh, I just, again, I don't think he's, uh, I, we'll see though. I thought I was, I've gotten a little bit more in. I'm interested to see what happens in the new one. But um in the at least in the last Jedi or whatever episode seven was, The Force Awakens, I was like, dude, I could care less. <laughs> like, what your so, plan is, who you are. So I think if they had done, so you know how Kylo he like has the, these scenes where he like throws a fit and he like destroys like computers and like random stuff, and like he you know smashes his helmet because he's all pissed off and whatever. I think if they had done that same stuff that they've done with Kylo, but with Anakin in the prequels, that would have made the prequels yep. like so much better. They they needed they made like this weird angsty teenager Anakin in the prequels 
and they've done the same angsty teenager thing with Kylo, but with Kylo, they've done it in a way that it, like, makes sense, and you're like, yeah, this dude is, like, he's kind of dumb, he's kind of a dumb kid, but he's angry, and he just, like, does stupid and is, like, and is trying to, like, be this, like, really bad guy, and I feel like they wish, I wish they had done that with Anakin instead of the weird, like, love story, and he, like, kills kids and whatever, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing, and I, I feel you. But uh, anyway, I'm excited for more Star Wars. Heck yeah. Especially, I'm definitely, like I said, more excited for uh, Mandalorian than uh, mm. than the next episode. But excited, I'm excited for, for Mandalorian. Excited for December uh, episode nine. It's going to be sweet. And I'm excited for that game too. I don't know when I'm going to pick oh, it yeah. up, but I will pick it up at some time. Once again, thank you guys for for doing that. Really uh, interested in in your perspectives. Shout out to the chat pack. And on that note, nerds, till next time, class dismissed.